Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well. And it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat. The podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. Hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. You've never seen anything like this on Spike TV. The quantity of speech is not always indicative of the quality of thought. I'm Captain Charisma, you silly bastard. You've been painting in an unventilated room. Maybe you need to go back to rehab. Oh, oh, oh come on. Now, that wasn't necessary. This is BS. This sucks. I've lost my objectivity, and I don't give a damn. Welcome, everybody, to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, episode 45. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. On this episode, we're talking the month that is February 2006, building up to Against All Odds 2006. I'm Garrett Kidney. I am joined by Liam Jones. Hello. You know my favorite thing that you do when we, like, before we press record Mm -hmm. is that you will go, like, all right, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for it. And then you'll leave, like, a, a gap. And then I'll like my my attention will divert slightly, and then you'll go and three, two, and I'm like, oh shit, get back over to this part of the screen, blah blah blah, and I go rush it, and I'm get very fearful that I'm just gonna not press it in time. Why don't you just keep your finger over the button? Because as soon as you give me a two second silence, I'm like, well, he's not doing it now. (laughs) I give like just enough time for your attention span to drift, and then you have to snap back in. Yes. Exactly. What about like the time between when I hit record and then do the intro, where I also usually leave like a two-second beat? No, that's fine because like when I'm not expected to do anything. Mm. But like it happens the exact same when we do the watch along. Like especially if we do like a little diatribe before we press play, I'm like I'm in like a different land, ready to go, and then you start going three, two, and I'm like, and now if I fuck this one up, we have to start the whole thing again. <laughs> so. 
It's like, it's just the whole process for me. If you ever listen to the watch-alongs, I do get down to business a lot faster because I'm like, fuck it, we have three hours to kill. We can't waste, like, antics time at the start. We've got to click play on this show and then we can start doing antics time. We can't use up our antics when we're going to need it for the watch-along. Yeah, we, we have to fill three hours of hashtag content at tnhad.com, patreon.com, slash getting me, where you can listen to the watch-along for Against All of 2006. But uh, the, you, you can't just do, like, 15 minutes before you start the watch-along. Then it'll be like, oh, fuck, we have nothing to talk about during the watch-along. Exactly. So other than your drifting mind as you are about to click start in a podcast, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. I've realized... That this year, I have been very poor about watching films. Mm. I don't, like, I think the, what, I've only watched four movies this year. It doesn't feel like there has been a ton out at the start of the year at the same time, though. But also, like, I have, I've only seen, like, one thing that came out in that time, too. Like, that's including movies that have just, in general. I will say, I have taken on a stance as the world's biggest Madam Web defender. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why you've deemed this your cross to bear. Of all the superhero movies that have existed, and there are many, the one I am like, no guys, it's actually good. What are you talking about? Is Madam Web. It's actually good. What are you talking about? It's like me with Eternals. Like, like Morbius, for all it became a meme, is actually pretty boring. It's actually a boring movie. It wasn't even funny bad. It was just a boring movie. Uh, I like the Venoms. They're silly. But then Madame Webb comes along and everyone is pretending it's funny by accident. And then all they do is post what were jokes in the movie, delivered as jokes. And mm. they're laughing at it. And then they're like, oh, it's so stupid and bad. It's like, no, you're just laughing at what was a joke in the movie. Why are you pretending it mm. wasn't a joke? In the movie! It's driving me crazy. My favorite thing is about the movie. Mm. It has rekindled my passion for Dakota Johnson. Oh, she's so good. And she is maybe my favorite actress in that I don't think she's very good, personally. But still, she has a weird drawing charisma about it, where every time she's on screen, you're, like, glued to it. Because you're like, everything's just a little off-kilter. Mm. Like, you look at it and you're like, this isn't how performance is meant to be. Not she has. She has transcended acting Mm. and has discovered a new form of entertainment. Have you ever seen the clip of her and the limes? What is her and the limes? So she's doing like a house tour. But beforehand, they did like some set dressing on her house to make it look fancy. It's for some magazine Mm -hmm. or something. And she's walking through her kitchen and she sees that they put this like like this display of limes in a little container (laughs) on her kitchen counter. And she's walking through her kitchen and she sees the limes and she's like, there's my limes. I love limes. I love to present them like this in my house. (laughs) This is the first time in her life she has seen the limes. And that went completely viral. Everyone was like, what the fuck is going on with Dakota Johnson and her limes? And she goes on, like, I think it's Jimmy Fallon a few years later. And she's like, oh, I just saw the limes and I lied. I I didn't know what to do, so I lied. I'm actually allergic to limes. (laughs) You're the most fascinating person. (laughs) She is beyond acting. She's developed some new creative medium that we as humans aren't developed enough to quite understand yet. I think she's just master deadpan. I think that's all she's done. She is like the most perfect deadpan human being that like you do not know how serious she is at any moment. And for some reason, everyone always assumes she's very serious, which I think is the problem with Madame Webb. Everyone like watches that movie and thinks she's trying to be super serious in that movie when she's fucking not. I think she has discovered a medium I can only describe as post-acting. She has developed something unique 
and I can't quite explain it because it, obviously like the deadpan aspect of it is a giant part of it, but it's also like an energy that she has developed. I need her to do like weird niche indie shit. Like you need to get her in there with like a director that can match that like off kilter energy. Yeah, somebody needs to get her into like proper comedies because she is like she is so funny. Like the press tour from Madam Web, I cannot get enough of her just like randomly talking about these movies. Like the the one that went viral of her just being like, I d- I don't understand why people are going crazy about this line from the trailer, and like she does make yeah. everybody seem like the most insane person in the world. And when she's asked about it, like there there's a, a, like a head motion she does where she like tilts her head, looks a little off into the distance as if like, I don't understand what's happening here. And then there's also the, the one that went around recently where she's trying to name the three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. <laughs> In which her, her first her first one is uh, Spider-Man, here he comes. And it's like, that's actually that's better than all of the ones they did. <laughs> you know what I need? I need her to do an Ari Aster theme film. Mm. I need to put her in a very weird environment and just see how she goes. Or, like, get her in, like, uh, a Yorgos Lathamos movie. <laughs> like, just throw her in something very odd and different and weird. Yeah. What if Dakota Johnson was in The Lobster? <laughs> you know, that's what I need. <laughs> Which is all to say, Madam Web is actually pretty fun. Uh, everyone assumed it was stupid and bad, and then they went to see it, and they took it in bad faith and pretended it wasn't even trying to be funny, when it really is. It's it's a nice fun... I don't understand why this is the one people have decided is the worst ever. I really don't. Because there's, like, 500 worse superhero movies than this. I think it's a general, like, superhero fatigue is at its highest. Mm -hmm. People are, like, done with it. And I think general, like, this is the latest in, like, the the Sony schlock. Which I'm on board with, by the way. So it's like, the the Sony stuff is always going to be, like, treated as stupid bullshit. (laughs) Even though it's trying to be stupid bullshit. That's what drives me crazy. Everyone's like, this is stupid bullshit. It's like, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, again, maybe it's just post acting. Mm. <laughs> this is the, the, the medium is now developed beyond the understanding of the consumer. Dakota Johnson's work is just too interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. And like, we have entered a, a state of it that just the general consumer cannot comprehend nor understand. Mm. The intention behind it has gone over the heads of the viewer. In 15 years, people in film school will be studying Madame Webb. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe feel like what on earth was the what was happening here and why am i laughing at it and then you know what it is because in 15 years every movie will be like it. that's true because like it's it's not even like the 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 only way you can enjoy morbius is if you do think it's so bad it's good like that is the only thing that film has going for it it's like it is a serious mm. movie except when he whooshes from his hands that is quite funny but this like if you watch this movie and, and, and aren't like oh it's going to be like a, a, a kind of campy a little irreverent a little silly and not taking itself particularly seriously and then everyone comes out of it being like uh, it was funny but it wasn't meant to be it's like no it really was what are you doing she's just too good she is simply too good yeah because to be fair the only things i've seen about it is people going one star i loved it <laughs> and there are people who are like i don't understand the plot when like I, I don't know what to do with you the plot is literally this guy sees that these girls are going to kill him like there, there is there is no complexity to this other than everybody gets powers from being bitten by spiders which is spider-man's thing everyone gets powers from being bitten by spiders that is the whole genres uh, I, well not the whole genre the whole universe of spider-man's thing if you can't accept that you simply can't accept spider-man 
And you all love Spider-Man, so... He is technically in this movie. I did see the... I saw the, like, the, the Twitter account that called that bit. Mm. But they were, they're gonna do, like, the, the shut-off before they say Peter Parker. He is technically in the movie. Peter Parker is in the movie. <laughs> did you did you get a, a look at him and, and see a quaft of hair or something and go, is that young Andrew Garfield? Is that baby Andrew? Or is that baby Tom? Or is that... Ba- what world are we in? I actually don't know what world we're in. Because Adam Scott plays Uncle Ben. So who... who what, what of the cinematic Uncle Bens give you best Adam Scott energy? I don't remember the Amazing Spider-Man stuff. There is no Aunt May in this movie, so you you can't judge on that one. I think, um, well, they well, like the plan was that like the Sony stuff was gonna take Amazing was gonna be like Garfield Spider-Man. So maybe let's just say it's that one. Sure, and uh, Adam Scott to Martin Sheen actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? <laughs> that actually works. That's a pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good line right there. I think that makes sense. So, Madam Web, go see it. Don't to be too cool because it, it's become the film that's popular to dunk on so everyone's dunking on it for numbers and i am a man of sincere engagement with art i mean you know it well <laughs> so i will i will always mm. give madam webb the benefit of the doubt it's a fun time you it's sincere engagement with art until the minute it does something that you don't personally agree with. yeah because it's art that's yeah. all art if it does it if it's not appealing to me why would i give a fuck about it hmm you know what appeals to me garrett Kidney? what does appeal to me liam um, TNA wrestling and and mm-hmm. particularly right. 2024 TNA wrestling. There's a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we kind of have to cover like modern TNA now because it has the same name. No, we can cover it in like 15 years. All right, <laughs> but there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's many things going on. Some might say, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about them when we get to 2024. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you right now, going to be so many scoops <laughs> when we get to 2024 coverage. It is it is a long tease. We are only 18 years away from it, but... Yeah, like, trust me, the content, when we get to 2024 covering of TNA, it's going to be sick. We're going to have show notes that have like are from Garrett. <laughs> it's just me writing them from my mind. Yeah, and but you'll be you'll credit yourself at the end. Oh yeah, it's not uh, in brackets PW Torch in brackets Wrestling Observer. It's in brackets me. That's <laughs> no, in brackets <laughs> Yes, which is the pivot where you can go if you would like to see the show notes, which are at this month thirteen pages worth of notes about t- t- uh, February two thousand six TNA. You can head to tnachad.com or patreon.com slash kidding me where you can subscribe, you can support the show, you can get secondary shows like our Lucha Underground show, like our New Japan show, Rain Takers, all the series we've already done covering Global Force Wrestling, Ring Cat King, Wrestling Society X, the twenty ten Monday Night Wars. PWG in 2012, all of that, any of that sound interesting to you? Full series, many episodes, tnhr.com, patreon.com, slash kidding me. We also recently did the 2005 end of year awards, and unfortunately the 2005 draft, which was won by Mm. Liam Jones. What can I say? It's just sometimes too easy. I went in there with unmatched confidence. (laughs) Um, utter, utter belief in myself and my ability to book a tremendous TNA card. Uh, let that be known to everyone out there. I can book TNA really well, mm-hmm. and the, everyone seems to agree with that. So if anyone needs someone to book TNA... 
this is the one I'm saltiest at because my card is much better than yours. And you just did the like, woe is me, uh, it's so bad routine. And then it's like, my card is two hours, please vote on that. And then he won. Hey, hey, you know what um you know what it was mm. though? Promoters promoting, you know. Ah, yeah. You have to you have to trick people. It's like NXT. You could trick people into thinking it's good. How about you know, stay mad, I'll stay rich. <laughs> you can trick Williams people into thinking it's good. Yeah. Whoop. Um, so yes. That's trick. Let me let me get the actual final results up so we can we can we can tell people what the what the the, the score was. Uh, with thirty seven <laughs> votes, you had fifty four point one percent to my forty five point nine percent. So you 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 edged me by about nine percent. I feel like I'm what well, like this is like three in a row for me now. I feel it's two in actual counted drafts. So we're now two two in end of year drafts. You won the first two, I won the last two. Yes. And I also, I also won the AEW one. So if you want to count that, I'm still 3-2 up, but we won't no, count that. No, it doesn't that. count. Yeah. That's, ex- that's extra content. We're talking mainline. Yeah, so uh, if you'd like to listen to that draft episode or the end of your awards, tnhr.com, patreon.com, you can support the show, and we really appreciate it. You also get an ad-free episode on the $1 tier if you don't want to hear the ads on the show, and you're just like, I'd like to listen to the podcast, and you can just read the show notes as we talk through it. It's a fun experience! Patreon.com slash kidding me. TNHat.com. I am nodding in agreement. <laughs> that brings us to the month that was February 2006 in TNA, starting with the news. Spike TV is on the verge of offering TNA a Thursday night primetime clearance. Key sources say it is expected within weeks, if not days, to be announced as part of a new Thursday night lineup on Spike. TNA Impact would be opening the evening at 8pm, it turns out to be 9, with a one-hour show followed by UFC Unleashed, uh, a best of program, and then the Ultimate Fighter. The coaches on the next Ultimate Fighter series will be Tito Orton, and Ken Shamrock. That seems like it would have crossover potential. Nah, no one wants to see those two guys. People hate those two guys. Well, they, they hate when they're like really big surprises. <laughs> yes, when, when they're teased. Both do have a uh, interesting legacy with TNA wrestling. It's cr- it's pretty cr- like you don't think about it often, but TNA's like weird relationship with MMA has always been so much further ahead than like WWE is, and now WWE is co like co promoted with a MMA with the M- MMA company. Yeah, because TNA were like the prototype there, weren't they? Because obviously they weren't owned by the same company that owns an MMA company, but they were broadcast by Spike, which was the home of the UFC when TNA went on Spike, and then the home of Bellator eventually later in the end. Well, yeah, right, but there was always, like, the... There was a weird, like, sister relationship feeling vibe with Bellator. Mm. So all the Bellator people would show up, and TNA became kind of a marketing vehicle for Bellator for a little while there. But, yeah, there was a lot of MMA people popping in and out of TNA. Through. Like, Frank Trigg would be a, become a recurring character in 2008 TNA for some reason. It's like, you know, you wonder you wonder if, like, a, a Kane Velasquez would have had his run in WWE if not for, like, TNA randomly just doing everything <laughs> with everyone. And, like, the first kind of world champion in company history is Ken Shamrock, so clearly setting the tone very early. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it was intrinsic in the DNA of the company, which is funny for a company that is so, like, not shoot. Mm. <laughs> like, or, like, wrestling is wrestling. It's, like, it's very odd. Wait, I'm going to hit you with a question. Right? Sure. Because I'm thinking about Cain Velasquez now. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's in jail. As one does. Um, I think he's out of jail right now. Okay. Garrett, Cain Velasquez yes. wrestled two matches for the WWE. Yeah. Can you name them? One was against Brock. Mm-hmm. That was in Saudi Arabia. I don't remember the other one. Cain <laughs> Velasquez... This is on a house show, so I'm going to give you some, some rope with that mm-hmm. one. Cain Velasquez and Humberto Carrillo versus the OC, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. <laughs> of course, Luke Gallows in the, in the match. That's perfect. 
And then, uh, you know, he had the the two AAA matches right after. Not right after, like, in consecutive years after. Mm. And had the other two AAA matches before. Like, he was wrestling in AAA the month before he debuted in WWE. Mm. They saw that my man was doing six-man tags with Psycho Clown and Cody, and he's like, let's bring him yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> he was pretty good in AAA, if I remember, for what he was trying to do. It was a weird freak show as well. Yeah. Because you're like, why is this happening? It's a good question. There wasn't a good answer. Well, there actually was a good answer. Cain Velasquez was a star. So, like, it's not insane to do something with Cain Velasquez. I hope he comes back and wrestles again. Mm. I want more, like, I want more UFC fighters who, like, can't do it anymore to start making their way into wrestling. Just to get all the shooters? Yeah, it'd be fun. It's Because it, it's weird to see, like, actual celebrities. Mm. Give me, like, Daniel Cormier. He's like, been talking about wrestling for 15 years. Come and do something. Once appeared on an episode of TNA Impact. Yeah, I assume he did, like, American Top Team stuff. No, you saw it. That's already happened. Oh, shit, it did, didn't it? It was when, uh, post-Olympics, he, he he just walked out and waved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, hello, guys. No one knows who but, I am right now, but wave. Like, remember when, like, AEW got Jorge Masvidal on the show? Yeah. When, like, Masvidal was going through, like, his, like, giant resurgence in popularity? I'll pretend I know who he is. He won the, the BMF title. I'll still pretend I know who he is. The Rock gave that to him. Oh, good. The Rock, a person who I put a lot of stock in in 2024. And he, he like, needs someone. Did he need Chris Jericho? It's probably Chris Jericho. It's right? always Chris Jericho. There are high hopes Weird. that they can shatter all previous ratings records for the, the, that program with those two high-profile coaches going back to Shamrock and uh, Tito Ortiz being in Ultimate Fighter. TNA President Dixie Carter tells... <laughs> They're not talking about Scott Demore. <laughs> TNA President Dixie Carter tells PW Torch she is unaware of an official decision to shift Impact to Thursdays because PW Torch actually got the scoop on this, uh, I think, a, a week or two early. And she's like, uh, uh, no? She has, though, that's been her company's goal for a while. I'm having Dixie Carter quote. We've always had our eye on prime time and we feel we've performed really well with the time slot we've been given. She says, the latest TV ratings for Impact have been strong. The latest episode on Saturday night drew a 1.1 rating, the best for Impact yet. We'll get into ratings a little bit more in a minute. And the Monday replays have been strong lately, putting TNA at nearly 2 million for overall viewership every week. That's insane. <laughs> Carter says that the ratings news elevated the mood of everyone on Tuesday afternoon before this week's TV tapings. With SmackDown having performed well on Thursday nights, but Moved to Friday's last fall Thursday, seen as an empty wrestling night, a time when fans have proven they will watch in large numbers, numbers large enough to satisfy Spike TV, even if it wasn't considered blockbuster numbers for broadcast network UPN. If Spike goes through with the Thursday night time slot, it's a strong commitment to TNA because it will be an interruption in the weeknight strip of CSI, which currently airs every oh night at both 7pm and 8pm. What will they do? With the CSI war. Which is funny because it ends up airing at nine. So they're like, we, we actually can't interrupt CSI. It's not even first run CSI. It's CSI repeats. It's crazy how like syndicated TV just crushes. Yeah. Why would you ever buy new programming when you can just air old episodes of the Big Bang Theory that a million people will watch instead? Yeah, it's crazy. It is one of those things where it's like TV has gotten to the point where there is enough content people like that you probably don't ever have to make new stuff. If you were being deeply cynical, you could just repeatedly churn out the old stuff and enough people would watch it to become a viable business. It, yeah, it's 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 really, uh, I guess because the other idea is like, if you want your new stuff, go to, go to your streaming services. If you want background noise of stuff you've seen a thousand times, just chuck it on the television. Because like there was this huge suits resurgence like last summer 
And now, and now we're getting new suits. Yeah, they're they're making a Suits spin-off because of it. And they didn't understand why people just wanted to watch Suits as comfort food. They're like, people clearly want more Suits. It's like, no, Suits and pretty much all of like the USA Network shows of that era, if you want like a Psych or a Bird Notice or any of those kind of shows, they are all like mm. the perfect throw it on as background noise, pay like a quarter of your attention to it, and just live life gleefully without having to engage your brain kind of shows. And they also doomed the Suits spin-off mm. by casting Steven Amell. Oh, why would you do that? As the lead. No. Which, like, has there ever been a more guaranteed way of of ensuring your your show doesn't get more than two seasons? Yeah. Oh, they did cancel Heels, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, that was why Steven Amell melted down over the strike as well, because the strike kind of fucked over Heels. Uh, well, you know what? I've always said that uh, if you strike... But I just turned really anti-union because they killed my wrestling show. As the biggest fan of heels yourself, you're like, how dare they take down my favorite wrestling-related scripted television show? I've never seen the second season of Heels. It's just too raw now to watch. Yeah, I, 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 how could I, you know? So you are also very bad for not watching second season of shows you watch. not charismatic enough. No, he's not very good. But he's not charismatic enough to be Suits Man. But he was okay in Arrow, but the whole point of Arrow was that he was, like, stoic so he could get away with it. <laughs> Which is funny, because, like, Green Arrow is not that. Mm. <laughs> They're like, what if we took one of the guys who was the quippiest men in comic books and then be like, let's make him sad Batman. <laughs> Listen, that show ran for, like, a hundred seasons, so clearly it was a good idea. I, well, they the the CW like superhero stuff is in, interesting because they clearly had like one really good writing team that they would throw onto different shows for each season, and then that season would be good, and then they remove them and put them on like the Flash, and the Flash would be good, and then <laughs> Arrow would stink for a season, mm. and then they'd go back and forth like that forever. I can't believe people watch every season of all of those shows. So many of them. I have I watched seventy percent of it. So much of it. Too much. Some would say. Well, then because like. It got really confusing when they started doing multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. What was the the best show? Was the fucking Legends of Tomorrow? Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow ruled. Just funny because it's it's a classic. I don't think it was very good at the start, or but maybe not what people wanted it to be at the start. And then they went to like a we're just gonna do like a Doctor Who thing where the Legends of Tomorrow go to a random period in time and get up to antics. Yeah, and then everyone had a good time. And then like they replaced like the main guy, and things got worse for a little mm-hmm. bit. But they ended up. It's so funny how cheap those shows look. Yes. <laughs> Which is, like, possibly, like, part of the charm. Yeah, especially, like, when there's so much superhero stuff, I almost prefer just, like, TV stakes and TV... Because, like, it is the problem with the, the movies these days, not to get back to Madam Web, but but with general superhero <laughs> movies, is just, like, they're, they're going so big and then they become so CGI that they just become hollow and empty and who could possibly care? As opposed to this TV stuff, which generally can't afford any of that, so it has to be, like, more grounded and interesting. Mm. Shout out to Titans for keeping that spirit alive for a while. Mm. I watched a couple seasons of Titans. I should watch the rest of it. I liked I liked the first season a lot, and then they did Nightwing, so I had to keep watching it a little mm. bit. That's done now. I think it is done. Yeah, they, they did four seasons of that. It ended last year. It's wrapped up. There's not that many actually superhero TV shows going at the moment. Well, yeah, because like like Marvel's trying to rekindle the Netflix stuff. Mm. But there hasn't been, like... The last one was Echo. Which I actually have not heard a fucking word about. <laughs> it's the one I... I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen Echo, and I haven't seen The Marvels yet. I don't think anybody has seen Echo. I have not heard anybody talking about Echo. I, I Part of it is, I think, people are just like, if I want to see the, like, Netflix-verse stuff, I'll just wait for fucking Daredevil. Mm. 
where like you're clearly going extra hard on it being the Netflix verse. Uh, TNA pushed for a 90 minute show on a Monday night time slot. The idea being that... <laughs> Why? <laughs> Stop doing that, you fucking idiots. <laughs> they were only going to go head to head with Raw for the last 30 minutes so that the first hour would be unopposed and then the last half hour would be going to war. But they literally, they can't leave it alone. It's insane. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get the fascination with it. I don't like, why do you want to be killed so badly (laughs) for 30 minutes of your TV show? It does, like, put in context, like, the actual Monday Night War that ended up happening in 2010 was not, like, this isolated thing. There was, like, an eight-year ramp-up to them finally getting that shot to go head-to-head to get absolutely massacred. Yeah, they really wanted The Spike, however, insisted on a one-hour Thursday time slot instead. TNA gladly accepted the terms to move to primetime national basic cable for the first time ever. It will premiere at 9pm on April 13th. And we have another Dixie quote. Ooh, we have two. The move to primetime on Spike is the most significant event in TNA Wrestling's short history. It says TNA TNA Carter, Dixie President, TNA Wrestling. (laughs) Let's go with that. (laughs) I am very proud of our entire team and all their hard work in achieving this milestone. Spike has been a fantastic partner and we will have accomplished so much together in just four months. We look forward to continuing to work with them to grow the TNA brand during this exciting time. Thank you, TNA character Dixie President. We also have a quote from Kevin yeah. Kay. Uh, TNA Wrestling has been delivering strong ratings for Spike and is continually growing its audience. This is the GM of Spike TV, by the way. Spike TV GM Kevin Kay said on Monday. <laughs> Wrestling fans have been looking for an alternative and have found it in TNA's brand of high-flying and action-packed entertainment. So TNA going prime time Perfect on Thursday. impression. Uh, yeah, that, I think he's, he's he actually has this vaguely Irish-sounding accent that's not quite Irish-sounding, but has a little bit of Irish in it. Yeah. So I'm going to say Irish neutral. <laughs> it is Irish neutral. Uh, so that is uh, TNA moving in April to prime time on Thursdays. Still one hour, but prime time. What do you think, like, what's the ideal TV show length for, for weekly wrestling television? I think in terms of having to actually have enough time to tell the stories you need to tell and give a roster enough time to develop, it does have to be at least two. Mm. I think 90 minutes, in terms of, like, what's the best show for in the enjoyment of the viewer, it would probably be, like, 90 minutes. I, I think it. I think it is two minutes. Mm. But that uh, it's two if you can promise like exciting things to happen, like to make to probably like produce the best show possible. Like it's probably closer to an hour and a half. And if you're if, unless you're watching live, it, it ends up being ninety minutes anyway. So yeah, unless you're watching AEW on fight. <laughs> oh yeah, because they have the picture in picture stuff, so it ends up being like an hour forty five. Because I think about half the breaks are picture in picture. I'm not sure. It's yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I like. I feel like I don't have the patience for it, but also I'd be depressed if it was any shorter. Mm. And like you can always skip through bad stuff. No. It's better to have have more time for good stuff to develop than uh, have less time, I guess. You should just have good shows, I think. I think that would be a, a solid strategy. <laughs> or if we booked good wrestling. It would help, I think. Members of TNA management have been in contact with Bret Hart with formal negotiations for appearances and with The Rock regarding other matters that could eventually lead to appearances and matches at a strategic time for Rock and the promotion. Although Chris Jericho says he doesn't want to wrestle at this time, TNA's schedule and the type of pay Sting is receiving could draw him out of retirement. TNA may need to sign another big name to show Spike TV they're serious about competing with WWE. Sure. (laughs) I listen, like, it's always good to get in these big names, 
I would spend more time trying to build our own original stars that people associate with our brand instead of just being like, look at these guys who were in the other company. Yeah. Wowzers. And like as we talked about, I think last month, there's there's the balance, right? There is like, what does Shannon Moore add? Absolutely fucking nothing. Why are you employing him? What does Chris yeah. Jericho add? Well, he's a star. He can wrestle. He can do promos. He can elevate the next generation. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You go after people who are worth going after, really. Like, Brett, during this era, I get why you might want him, because, like, he's almost the face of WWE Resistance in a way, even though he does agree to do the Hall of Fame literally mm. this month. Well, who who did the, like, first AEW thing, right? Mm. When they were, like, very much like, we are the alternative break down the walls <laughs> different <laughs> thing. But, yeah, like, they're like, hey, Brett, come out and bring our title out. And then, obviously, it's like, if you could get The Rock, you do take The Rock, even though it was never fucking happening. Yeah. There are also rumblings that since TNA has talked to Goldberg in the past, they are in talks with him again about him being a part of their primetime debut in April. The connection here is that Goldberg is on Spike TV's new TV show, Pros vs. Joes, where everyday people take on... I remember Pros vs. Joes. Old athletes. So Goldberg was featured on that. Kurt Angle was featured on an episode as well. Didn't they do, like, a fighting episode? They probably did. Because, like, uh, the people on the first season included Jerry Rice, Bo Jackman, Dennis Rodman, John Rocker. I don't know half these people are. As well as Goldberg. Yeah. I think, because I think they did, like, have, like, Randy Couture and Roy Jones Jr. and stuff. Like yeah, that. I have no doubt that they did indeed do some MMA stuff. Especially because, like, Spike was on the, or UFC was on the network at the same time. So they no doubt wanted to do some cross-promotional stuff. Like they did with TNA with Kurt Angle being on an episode. But yeah, that it was a fun, fun show idea. You don't get fun show ideas anymore. Well, yeah, well, do you remember the, like, bully beatdown? Do you remember that show? No. Bully beatdown was, like, this sort of, like, Jerry Springer-esque show where, like, nerds would get the people that bully them to come on the show and then they would fight MMA fighters <laughs> in the cage. It's a good bit. <laughs> it was, it's fucking sick. Mm. <laughs> I hope they actually shoot, like, fucking... proper, like, worked them over. <laughs> I well they did they beat the fuck out of them but like who knows if it like work they gave it all the work right mm. you would have to sign the, like, documentation for it to be to appear on television unless they blurred the faces as they beat the shit out of them my god it has been suggested that bully beatdown is largely staged Boo! and that in most cases the bully victim combo had never even met prior to taping of each oh, episode that's a full One work of the that's bullies- disappointing. In quotation marks, depicted had included his appearance on the show in his acting resume. <laughs> Another bully is a professional stuntman who had previously appeared on other TV shows. Ah, here. Television not being real? Um, God damn it. But, alternatively, in response, the host, Jason Mayhem Miller, wrote what he labelled a troll post in which he called the show completely fake to mock those who call the show fake. Miller later stated on his blog that the physical beatings depicted on the show could not be faked. He referred to the bullies as douchebags who actually believe they can beat professional fighters. Miller maintained the show is legit. Did you ever have a bully you would have liked to invite on Bully Beatdown? Not to that extent, probably. What MMA fighter would you have liked to invite to beat up <laughs> your bully on Bully Beatdown? Um, uh, Nganu. I definitely know who that is. Francis Nganu? I don't know modern UFC people. I don't keep up with it. 
Well, he left um, UFC because they wouldn't pay him enough as he was the heavyweight champion. Hell yeah. Very based. Cool, cool guy. Uh, and then he did like, he does boxing fights and he fought Tyson Fury as like, like classic, like sort of like pride bullshit where it's like boxing champion of the world versus UFC champion, even though like he's not because he never lost the belt when he left. He, that kind of someone shit. Someone say he's the real UFC champion. And like, like giant heavyweight that would just break a dude's head. Is he going to start UFC collision soon? He should. It would be awesome. I want him in wrestling so bad. Mm. Like, the only company that could afford to pay him, like, the ridiculous stuff would be WWE. Like, but it's... I want it. I want it so badly. There's also now the weird thing that WWE is under the same banner as UFC, so... Oh, then it won't happen. Like, now Tony has to make it happen. Now Tony has to bring him in. Just out of spite? Well, yeah, because he's, again, like, face of rebellion, right? You get the guy that can't go anywhere else. Mm. Uh, like, he, he, unfortunately, you will have to pay him at least, like, $2 million for per appearance. Yeah, that's worth it. It would be awesome, though, and that's really all that matters. Who do you who do you book for him against? On the AEW roster? Wardlow. You do the, the, you do the cage gimmick that you did with Hager. Just always just make it Darby Allen. <laughs> he would kill Darby Yes, Allen. that is the entire appeal of Darby <laughs> Allen. Francis Ngannou's fist is probably bigger than Darby Allen. Just to have people murder Darby. Bring in every celebrity you can to kill Darby. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh god, I want Francis Ngannou to show up in AEW now. Goldberg was on the Bubba the Love Sponge show and teased the idea of going to DNA, but Dave says it is premature to say it's even expected, but both sides are hopeful. But Dave does reveal that one of the two names... That he was talking about on last month's episode about huge names that could go to TNA. One of them was Bill Goldberg. My God! So there you go. Who was the other? We'll never know. It's, it's The Rock. It's clearly The Rock. <laughs> it's like, come on. We'll never know. <laughs> Isn't it funny how like Bill Goldberg? Like we've had like these exact same rumors with like AEW for so long. Yeah, it, he's a guy who knows how to keep his name out there, isn't he? Mm. Even if he never does Would anything. You, are, you, are you interested in anything with Goldberg? In 2024? I think if you did, like, a little retirement run where he did, like, four matches, I'd be on board for that. Because, like, Sting is going to be gone in March, so he can just kind of slot into the Sting role for a little while. Like, do it for the rest of the year? Yeah, and then you can get a... a, a what's this? Rebel- it's not Rebellion. It's it's Revolution. You, revolution. you can get a Revolution retirement show. is the retirement of show? Of the old WCW stars, yeah. All right. Who who would you be have Goldberg's last match be? Uh, the last match would be against Wardlow. And then Wardlow beats him and Wardlow's the new Goldberg. The Wardlow, I don't think anybody has. It. Every time they stick, they keep trying to reboot Wardlow. And it's like, oh, guys, it's just not there anymore. It's just gone. No, it, it just, it's it, the moment passed. It's the hair, I'm telling you. It's just the hair. It's the hair. What if, what if by the time it gets to Revolution 2025, Wardlow has the ponytail back? <laughs> Thumbs up. He can win the world title again. It is crazy how the hair, like, completely nerfed that it's, guy. It's actually insane. I've never seen a haircut do more to, like, shatter a guy's star image than it did with Wardlow. It's insane. I, mean, I guess it's like if Jeff Hardy had shaved his head. That would be quite weird. You'd be like, who is this guy now? <laughs> Someone may have alerted TNA president, speaking of Jeff Hardy, to drug problems in wrestling. <laughs> After Dixie claimed the TNA locker room was free of drug problems in an interview several months ago. Yeah, the drugs are suddenly free. Dixie acknowledged TNA's current ongoing effort to clean up the locker room. Oh, so many Dixie quotes. That has always been a priority for us. Dixie told Between the Ropes Radio on Wednesday. 
wearing a slightly different position. <laughs> Our guys work for us a couple days a month, and then they work for different promoters across the world on an ongoing basis, so they're not specifically TNA employees. Dixie brought up past drug problems in the locker room and said management is keeping a close eye on the wrestlers. Now, we have had situations <laughs> where we have had to become involved in certain things just to make sure everything works out. Dixie said, what a sentence. <laughs> We're even looking at trying to charge and change and upgrade our internal policies. It's something we take very, very seriously just for the protection of everyone, quite honestly. We've had situations where we have had to become involved in certain things just to make sure everything works out. <laughs> that is some Tony Khan level talking around the question. What a sentence right there. What a like loaded sentence that also says absolutely nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, we've only like fired Jeff Hardy twice for no showing. And we'll do it again. So yeah, after being like, we're, we're, it's not a problem here. TNA's great. It's like, maybe it's a, it might be a little bit of a problem. Maybe, maybe. But only like sometimes. How often is Dixie talking to media? Well, the Dixie and Joe did like a round of media after the announcement of the Spike primetime thing. So Yeah, but I feel like she's... Like has quotes in the Observer every week. Well, but like anytime there's like a press release that like it will be like the president will have a quote and it's just generally like this is the best thing that ever happened. It's so, so great. Many press releases. Well, the, 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 like it was a notable thing. They did get a primetime deal. That is the, like they're 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 not just. I know, like, but like nothing. I'm not saying I'm saying historically there's like there's just so much <laughs> all the time. You got to know what Dixie was thinking. I guess so. That's why she started the Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. During last week's TNA conference call, Exhibition Chairman Samoa Joe was asked about his current contract negotiations with TNA. He confirmed he was upset with his pay, but that's why he was negotiating a long-term contract with the company. We're currently still in the process of hammering out the details, but I'm sure we will come to the conclusion very soon, Joe said. Asked if he was upset with other wrestlers such as Kevin Nash receiving large sums of money to work with TNA, Joe said he was not upset and doesn't have problems with anybody else making money. He would just like to also make money. <laughs> One source says Joe's current contract guarantees him only two grand a month, which would explain his desire to get a raise if that's true. Two grand a month for... What is he doing? Like two tapings? Yeah. Pay-per-view? They do the pay-per-view during the same tapings? The It's... Currently, it is usually pay-per-view, a day of TV, and then a day of TV to cover off. Actually, are they taping four? I don't think they're taping four at once at the moment. I think it's pay-per-view, two impacts, two. come back for another two impacts. So, basically, like, three days? Three days a month, he's making, of give or take, 24 grand a year. Two grand. I mean, if you want him to be exclusive, it's not enough. Yeah, it's not money to live on. <laughs> it's, like, it's decent. Mm. But, like, he clearly would need to take other bookings still. Yeah. The non-clean finish to AJ Styles versus Hiroshi Tanahashi was devised to build up the Styles-Shannon Moore feud and allow Tanahashi to save face in Japan since the match was being covered cool. by Japanese media. TNA is planning to bring back the X-Cup tournament in the spring. Black Tiger, Tiger Mask, and Tanahashi are expected to compete. You, My god, what a trio. You only get one of them, I think, in the X-Cup this time. Tiger Mask? Black Tiger, Rocky Romero. Ah... Tiger Musk does do dates of it. Yeah, he does some stuff in 2008 and 2007. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's Liger, Black Tiger, Minoru Tanaka, and Haruki Goto is the team you'll get in a couple of months. It's a pretty great it's not team. not bad. 
Despite the fact you hate Tiger Mask. I do. I hate Tiger Mask 4 with a deep, burning, seething passion. Pass the gimmick on. I just want to hang out with him. I think it'd be really cool to like go have a beer with him. Uh, just pass it on. Stand on your own two feet. Stop clinging to the Tiger Mask legs because you know you have nothing else going for you. He's been Tiger Mask longer than Tiger Mask. Yeah, that's the problem. He is Tiger Mask. Give man. it up. Never. Pro Wrestling Noah will air on North American television for the first time later this month when tapes of some of the company's biggest shows start arriving on the Fight Network in Canada. The Fight Network contacted Mike Tanay about doing the English voiceovers for Noah, but TNA was negative toward that, so it's not happening. Why would they give a shit? Well, because Mike Tanay is a TNA contractor talent and they don't want him to do other wrestling. Do you know the fun bit of trivia of who ends up doing commentary for those fight network tapes isn't it isn't it more it's mauro ronaldo mauro ends up getting that gig yeah i've never seen that that uh footage someone hasn't sent it to me you can, you can find a lot of the 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 stuff on youtube i think or on the, With the english commentary? on daily motion you can at least find some mauro ronaldo called noah shout outs to the mauro ronaldo josh barnett called new japan from like the early access stuff mm-hmm. Some of like my favorite New Japan stuff at the time because it was like in HD as opposed to anything else, and with English commentary that was solid. Matt Hardy won't say he made the incorrect decision going to WWE over TNA <laughs> because TNA did not have a television deal at the time of his negotiation. But there is still a hint of regret from Matt. If I was making that decision now, TNA being on Spike would definitely have made a difference. Matt told the UK Sun earlier this week. Plus, the WWE was my family. I hated the way I left, and I didn't want to go out like that. So I enjoyed the opportunity to come back and make things right there was also the chance to make good money i do sometimes think about what would have happened if i went to tna but you can't live like that second guessing things you've done the reality is i'm in the WWE and already have a lot of good matches and moments since coming back so seemed to be a little bit of regret there Do you think he would have been a palpable difference in 2005? Like, when he left WWE, he had so much sympathy, and people were so behind them. And then when he... Yeah, people were into he him. Yeah, like, he, he was actually, like, cool. People were really into him. He, he wasn't... He still wasn't great. So you wouldn't have been... Didn't, like, main event Matt Hardy, because ultimately he would have hit against that ceiling of still being Matt Hardy. But he had a ton of momentum behind him. Then he went back, and they punked him out a bunch and kicked him to SmackDown. <laughs> so, like... Because I think at this point he was already bumped off the SmackDown because I think he had lost the Edge in that loser leaves Raw match. So like he'd already done the feud with Edge, which he lost, and then was kicked off the SmackDown. So it's just like, ah, oh, well. It would have been interesting to have seen him in that point. It would have been a hot name at the time. At least you would have gotten a bunch of Hardy's AMW stuff, which is the only thing. It would have made it worthwhile to get a Hardy's AMW match. Hmm. Raven has had some health issues recently, but he was not consulted before plans were made to may have him lose to Sean Waltman at the last pay-per-view and be taken off TV indefinitely. The tentative plan is to bring him back in a few months, but he's not on Jeff Jarrett's good side since he has been outspoken with key members of management over the past year about aspects of the way TNA has been run that he disagreed with. I'd imagine that main aspect is Jeff Jarrett being world champion. Yeah, because like, let's be real, Raven is not a, a man to shut his mouth about things he perceives to be being booked in correctly and it does seem like it's the defining thing of the last like three years right it's been around for three years in tna now of like him and jared like the 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 people who are destined rivals on television somehow never wrestling as much as they should have because there's very clearly issues going on between the two of them and they don't have someone above either of them to really be like just do it it's it's a classic cm punk young buck situation (laughs) yes the money to be made with raven and jared and they just never went back to it (laughs) The battle lines have been drawn. 
between the latest wrestling promotion to gain a primetime cable clearance and an upstart that has just run one show but is funded by MTV. Wrestling Society X, the name for the Big Vision Entertainment-owned wrestling promotion that taped an MTV-funded pilot last week in Los Angeles, almost lost several of its advertised wrestlers within hours of the show. TNA, spurred by new CEO Kevin Day, decided to be aggressive in creating a bit of a headache for WSX. Sean Waldman was offered a TNA contract, which he turned down. Bill Behrens, who also worked for TNA at the time, informed WSX that three or four wrestlers he represented had been offered contracts by TNA that week. Matt Seidel, Delirious, New Jack, and Alter Boy Luke, all scheduled to be part of the WSX tapings, were said to have been suddenly added to TNA's want list. (laughs) TNA just fucking with WSX. Um, I like this idea that they were like, Small Joe, two grand a month. These random four nerds from WSX, five grand a week. Yeah, the rumored amount was five grand per week to some of the wrestlers, although that turned out to be greatly exaggerated. You can probably take off a zero or two from it. You're literally 50, I imagine. <laughs> but especially like, like fucking Alter Boy Luke. In TNA's defense, if their wrestlers had signed the contract, the TNA contracts, they would have still been allowed to work the WSX pilot taping. However, TNA management knew that WSX had written into its contracts that any wrestlers at the pilot had committed to several months of exclusivity. MTV didn't want to approve a pilot a few weeks from now, only to find out that most or all of the wrestlers participating had been signed by another wrestling promotion to exclusive deals. It does like remind me a little bit of the lucha underground stuff where they of course it is they they obviously signed much much deeper contracts with the with lucha underground that tied them in for i think some of them were seven years but yeah mtv are currently mm. blowing money on a new wrestling product for wsx and they're trying to put together a roster and tna's like we like matt seidel what are you doing yeah it's it's very funny that like they were like we have to fuck with them though. yeah they're like we are scared of wsx so we have to take them down before they can even start Garrett, I've loved hearing about Wrestling Society X. Oh, have you, Liam? If if I wanted to listen to more about mm. it, where would I go? Well, Liam, are you so lucky? We have done a full series about Wrestling Society X covering every episode and some background stuff because some dude sent us tweets on Twitter every so often about WSX. So. <laughs> if you would like wow. to hear all of those, Liam, do you know where you can go? I, I don't have a fucking clue. You can head to patreon.com slash kiddingme or tnhad.com where you can listen to every episode of our Wrestling Society X series as well as all our other series. It's just five bucks. You can listen to the whole series. You can pay five bucks. Listen to the whole thing. Well, I want to go subscribe right now and also make four or five other accounts at the same tier. Or the $10 tier if you'd like. Uh, and and also uh, PayPal <laughs> can need $700 directly. Yeah, me, not Liam. So in effect, if the wrestler chose to sign with TNA, they wouldn't be able to sign contracts with WSX the day of the show. It turned out that all but Delirious turned down TNA's last second offers. I think Delirious doesn't even end up in TNA either, so I, I'm not sure what why Delirious is so singled out there, because I don't think Delirious ever appears again. Maybe he was the only one that like responded to the email. Mm. Also, TNA had given permission for Terry Taylor to help out behind the scenes with the taping, but rescinded that permission just a day or so before the taping. In fact, Taylor had been inside TV production meetings in Los Angeles in the days before the pilot, so he so the information he gathered from those meetings could provide information to TNA on their perceived competitor. So they had a corporate spy. That's so that's so awesome. They said Terry Taylor there to snoop. WSX didn't consider themselves competition to TNA, otherwise they wouldn't have openly brought in Taylor since he also works for TNA, but TNA felt it was best to not mix wrestlers or producers, because they're a little bit gotten to. Because they're a little isolationist. 
right now. It is funny that like MTV and Spike are both Viacom properties. They're in the same corporate family. Should have done a, a Wrestling Society X invasion. Have Vampiro come in. Yeah, that's how you could have gotten the Ricky Banderas showing up. Would have been awesome. Yeah, the idea that you'd be super scared. Or maybe they were like, what if this catches on and they'll replace us on Spike with them? Maybe that was some of their thought process. But like, guys, have confidence in what you're doing. Come on. Well, like, I don't know. A TNA is a product of its environment, and a lot of the people there are also very insecure about their spots, so I imagine that reflects on the company at times. Conspiratorial gotten to pro wrestlers until the very end. AJ Styles told BarbaricWrestling.com that he doesn't think the MTV Big Vision promotion will work and said if MTV wanted wrestling, they should have just aired TNA instead. But you're on Spike, which is bigger now? There is some MTV TNA crossovers as well. There's uh, episodes of Made <laughs> that feature TNA stars. Do you remember Made? No, what is Made? It's basically they, they send like a celebrity to help uh, like a teenager achieve their goal. So like uh, a teenager's like, huh? I'd like to be a wrestler. So AJ Styles goes and helps them be a wrestler. There's also an episode with the Motor City Machine Guns as well. That's cute. I want to see what other like wrestlers in TV are there? Well, there's a lot of like quiz show stuff. I saw the, some of the TNA on Family Feud doing the rounds. Yeah, that was that. That's good crossover shit. Or Family Fortunes, if you're based in the UK, with Steve Harvey just deadpanning at everything the wrestlers said. There's there's a lot of wrestlers like like there's the classic like WWE on Fear Factor, WWE on Weakest Link, um, WWE on Silent Library. What's Silent Library? Oh, Silent Library. It's it's honestly one of the best um, ones ever because they just sent all the mid carders to do Silent Library. I still don't know what it is. But, like the the gimmick is that they do like horrific shit to them, like throw like bowls at their nuts and shit and they can't make a sound or like register on the decibel meter mm. and let me tell let me i want to get i think i remember all of them but i want to make sure that's right let me tell you this who's who of people that they brought into silent library mm. nick nemeth kaylin croft oh dude buster brian myers oh kings chris masters did he do the master lock silently and JTG. Somebody argue he does the master lock silently all the time because he gets no reaction. Am I right? <laughs> I also think yeah, Trent was also on it. Like, there's a great bit. Like, they get um a baseball like taped to the top of a baseball cap, and they get a kid to come in and just whack the um Chris Masters in the head with a bat. Get him. Deserves it. It's it's a uh, it's 20 minutes. It's from the MTV Vault. It's on YouTube. Everyone should watch it if you haven't seen it. But I found a list of 21 TV appearances featuring wrestlers. Okay. Does it include like scripted shows or is it all reality? These are scripted shows, mm. which are more interesting. Um, first one, very sad and also like weird timing with it. But Ashley Massaro on Smallville. Aww. A lot of stuff going on there right now. So yeah. WWE bad company, evil. Company. Um, Kane on Smallville. A lot of wrestlers on Smallville. Uh, cause didn't Batista do Smallville? I don't think so. I don't, like, Edge did? John Cena was in Psych. Uh, fuck you, uh, Batista was on Smallville. No, I don't remember that. Uh, Charmed, Buff Bagwell. Oh, that's the crossover everyone wants. Charmed, Booker T and Scott Steiner. They got all the WCW wrestlers. Parks and Recreation, John Cena. Of course we all remember that one. Boy Meets World Vader, that's like the most, like, no, in like, Mankind. Um, The Flash, Adam Copeland. I don't remember that at all. I don't. I've watched a lot of The Flash, and I don't remember that. Um, Desperate Housewives, Goldberg. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what a combination. Law and Order, SVU, Goldberg. What an acting resume Bill Goldberg has. Can you name the f- four wrestlers that were on that '70s show, Garrett? No. The Rock, mm. Ken Shamrock, mm. all these TNA stars, yeah. and the Hardy Boys. Yeah, all of them have featured in TNA in some capacity. The The Thundermans. 
Chris Jericho. Not a real show. Not a real person. Um, that's that's Adult Swim. That doesn't count. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Kevin Nash. I don't remember that. I feel like I remember that. Uh, Supernatural. The Miz. Ugh. Star Trek Voyager. The Rock. Big get for them. Highlander the series. Roddy Piper. That that makes sense. The X Files. Rob Van Dam. Oh yeah, that also makes sense. <laughs> Dude, that makes a lot of sense. Aliens. That's there's that there's others that are less exciting. So I'm gonna just leave it with that one. The Rock really got onto like shitty TV, huh? Well, I shouldn't say shitty TV. He was on the seventy that seventy show. Yeah, he was a big star in the nineties, so he did some crossover stuff before he was like. I'm just funny because like now it feels like it feels like what's the word I'm looking for? Like passe to do it now. Mm. To do, like, a crossover like that. Of course, uh, we also had Cody Rhodes on Arrow back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's mostly because, like, TV is now, like, prestige as opposed to, like, we'll do a goofy crossover with the thing that's popular. Yeah, and, like, anything that will do the, the crossover is, like, lame. Mm. Charlotte Flair was in Psych the Movie, Garrett. Whoa. How did you feel about that? I loved it. <laughs> you love Psych the Movie. Uh, I like the first and third ones. Second one's not great. Third one's really good, though. I'm just looking to see if there's anything. DDP was on Superstition. I don't even know what Superstition is. Sci-fi show. Ugh. A lot of sci-fi crossovers. Mm. That's it. I'm run out. There are no serious talks whatsoever regarding names like Harry Smith or Kevin Steen that have been bandied about on the internet. <laughs> to be fair, 2006 would be very early. Especially for Kevin Steen, yeah. It was probably around the time Harry Smith was signed. I guess maybe 2007 he was probably signed by WWE, right? And, like, Steen was, like, doing PWG by that, by that point, but, like... Mm. And, like, even ROH, but just a little too, uh, little too early, you'd think. There have been no official discussions regarding Matt Seidel, although Jeremy Boris went to an ROH show a couple of weeks ago and said he was impressed by Seidel. Regarding rumours, very timely, of a CMLL tie-in, TNA is <laughs> trying to go through New Japan to open doors to talking with Paco Alonso. Step one has not even taken place, so any thoughts of using CMLL guys right now is several political steps away. Now, if you think if TNA was in full control, the idea of having Conan do promos and bring in some people that he names, <laughs> or other stars. Los Peros del Mal and Los Infernos. Yes, or other stars would appeal to them, of course. Pianos. Mike Tanay is a big Lucha follower, but the politics of Conan with Paco Alonso. Oh, he loves Bandito's promotion? Boom, got him. <laughs> but the politics of Conan with Paco Alonso look on the surface to make that move difficult to impossible. And it hasn't even gotten to step one at that point, which is very funny to think about the, the difficulty and the politics between Conan and CMLL. Not at all a current news story. What are you talking about? That's just like regular backstage information coming in. Nice to see that Conan was a, a source for the Wrestling Observer even all the way back here. There is, I saw someone mention it and I think it's very true. There, There is sometimes when the note in the Observer is so clearly from who it's from. Like it is so transparent yeah. who it's from. It's like you might as well have just put the name Conan at the end of it. Well, there's, like, it's funny, like, it's not even just him, right? Like, it's different, there's points where you're like, uh, in The Observer this week, we have a story that says Chris Jericho should earn way more money than he earns right now. <laughs> yeah. He's such a giant star, should win every match and earn all of this money. And you're like, oh, I wonder who that one came from. Mm. On the topic of Jericho, both Jericho and Christian Cage will have roles in the movie Shoot Him Up, starring Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti. 
Dave says he's not he's not sure it's a hundred percent signed, but it's been confirmed on, on both uh, the both of them by movie people that. But it's been confirmed to us the decision on both of them by movie people have been made. Is the same the sentence Dave wrote there, but. <laughs> The movie starts filming on February 13th in Toronto, the day after the TNA pay-per-view. Dave's of the impression this will have no bearing on Christian's direction and that uh, it won't affect him being on TV. But part of the reason he left WWE is to take up film roles like this. Garrett, I am looking at the shoot 'em up IMDb and I'm not seeing any Chris Jericho or Christian Cage listed. I'm fairly certain Christian's in the movie. Was he under his real name? Jay Riso. He is under his real name. They're not going to put Christian Cage on the IMDb, to be fair. No, no, no. Like, he wasn't even listed, like, like anywhere near it, either. Mm. It doesn't look like Jericho was in it, though. Clearly, he didn't make the role. But, yeah, I was, I was like, Christian is definitely in that movie. I remember them talking about it. Do we watch that for our thing? To add to the list of, like, Sting Moment of Truth and all the other TNA movies. Yeah. We did watch... If you'd like to go to patreon.com slash kidding me, you can hear our review of State of Play. State of Play? Head of State. That's the name state of that movie. Of, head of State. <laughs> state of the Play. The play. Yeah, the, the video game stuff. The State of Play. Yeah, we did a review of Head of State with Chris Rock where they did a scene in the asylum. We should do a, a Christian cage on and watch everything he's been in. I don't think we'd find a single good movie. Uh, he was in six episodes of the TV show Haven. What wrestler, other than a wrestler who is an actor, so like Cena and Batista and The Rock don't count, but like, what wrestler do you think has the best filmography in terms of actual, like, good movies? Um, do we count, like, TV as well? No, we're talking movies. Okay. Well, Money Plane isn't very good. <laughs> Who's had, like... But because, like, you need to think of someone that had, like, a role, role, right? Yeah, so, like, Kevin Nash would be a decent shout, I think. Piper. Piper, obviously, has had some decent movies. Hogan. Hogan has not been in any good movies. Not a single one. Not one good movie. Santa with muscles. Oh, I saw some clips doing the rounds of Thunder in Paradise and I was like, oh lord, why does this exist? There's like a final scene where Hogan makes out with somebody that is the most unpleasant thing I've ever seen in my life. It's probably Piper, right? I would say Piper or Nash. Because Nash is still doing stuff. Goldberg's done some stuff. Yeah, like Nash has done the John Wick. John Wick. Like, Longest Yard's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Punisher's a pretty good movie. Um, he, Austin did some stuff. He was in the um, um, Magic Mike movies, which are pretty good. So, Na- Nash, Nash has Austin a decent hit rate. Con- Steve Austin. Austin did the Condemned, the Expendables, the, and the Longest Yard. So, uh, Condemned isn't great. Well, Condemned's all right. Uh, Expendables is pretty good. And Longest Yard is pretty good. I haven't watched The Longest yeah. Yard in years and years. It might be terrible. You know who the sneaker hit might be? Who? The Great Carly. <laughs> what movies has the Great? Has he hasn't he been in MacGruber? He was. I'm gonna read it to you. Right, Get Smart. Mm, all right. Banger. The Longest Yard. Mm. Banger. MacGruber. Oh. Banger. He does have five upcoming roles mm. where he. <laughs> um. He is in the. F- These are the five movies he is coming up. Um. He's in Zombie Rome. Right. Where he plays Gladiator Giant Singh. Isn't that his shoot name? Uh, he is in a movie called Necromancer. Ooh. Where he plays the Great Cully. <laughs> a, a real range for this man. And he is in Zombie Brothel. Uh-huh. Where he plays Brothel Security. Oof. At least it's a, a role that's not just himself. That one he'll have to dive deep into at Method Act. But yeah, he's he's also he's got like a bunch of like I don't I don't know I wouldn't I don't want to say Bollywood stuff, but like a lot of Indian-based movies, mm, which who knows how good they are, but he has made them. So you know, <laughs> Triple H, he has Blade, he has the Chaperone. <laughs> That's another one I was trying to think of that I could not remember. He has thousands of links to playing Thor without playing Thor. 
He's in Vengeance, the movie. Not the pay-per-view? No. WWE Vengeance Day? This is definitely not... Is this, this is not Triple H. <laughs> I mean, this is something else. Where he's been credited as playing Spider-Man. Which I don't remember. Yeah, it was in like the 2002 movie. <laughs> he was Spider-Man? He was Spider-Man. He's a gay Norman Osborn. Play it. Um, I forgot that he did Billions. Oh, that scene in Billions. Oh, I've never watched a full episode of Billions, but every time I've ever seen any of it, it seems terrible. It looks like worse suits. What was the baller? It looks like worse ballers to me. Billions has an 8.3 on IMDb. Lies. I I will never believe it. I'm sorry. Triple H is in the Secret Life of Pets 2 Stuffed Animals version. Version. Is he in the WWE Scooby-Doo movie? He is. He's also in Surf's Up 2 Wave Mania. All the hits. He's in Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery and Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon. I've seen both of those. Randy Savage would have... He's in Spider-Man. He's in... Yeah, but that's like it. He's in Bolt. He has a role in Bolt, the Disney movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Triple H is also in Inside Out, Mm. which has like 4.5. It's true. The Pixar movie? No. Oh, Okay. (laughs) No, uh, this is a Michael Rappaport movie. <laughs> the less said, the better. Where Triple H has a gun. A man is released from prison after serving a long time for killing a man who tried to kill his best friend. Once out, he just wants to live a normal life, but his best friend immediately gets him into new a new heap of serious trouble. Mm, sounds terrible. Polar vest skin, inside out. I think that should be our next movie. <laughs> yeah, you make a list of uh, movies we'll review for Patreon. We got Edge and Jamie Kennedy in Bending the Rules. Don't want, don't want to watch a Jamie Kennedy movie? No. <laughs> Why not? The Big Show in Knucklehead. Oh yeah, Big Show. He's in, all, he's in um, Jingle All the Way. Adam Edge Copeland, CJ Lana Perry, <laughs> Interrogation. Now we're just... In, Edge is like a candidate for the worst person <laughs> in terms of like quality yeah. of movies. We can watch that movie where like Dolph Ziggler super kicks <laughs> Rusev. Mm-hmm. We have Dean Ambrose starring in 12 Rounds 3. WWE movies don't count. Uh, Mox also did that MMA movie. Oh, Kurt's done done some stuff, but not much of it is good. (laughs) Adam Copeland, Kelsey Grammer, Money Play. See, I do think it's either Nash or Piper. Oh yeah, I've been doing this for like 50 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Just reading different wrestling movies. Well, you went through every wrestling TV show, and now you've went through every every wrestling movie, so people are very well informed about this I feel like that should be a series that we do. Just watching every wrestler movie? Yeah, watch along, Mystery Science Theater style, once a month we do a wrestling movie. Sure. If you would like to actually commit to that, I'm on board. $30 $30 tier. Oh, no. <laughs> Besides Glenn Gilberti and Tom Pritchard, Jeff Kavanaugh was also brought in for a try as an agent, a temporary interviewer, while Shane Douglas is in rehab. His wife put him in there for a cane painkiller problem. If you're wondering why Terry Taylor does backstage interviews at one point this month. Kavanaugh works with Border City Wrestling, so his connection would be with Scott Demore. This was the description I was given of all three. This is Dave. Kavanaugh, who is nicknamed Drum Boy, has good potential in the role, but was nervous. Overall, not bad. Uh, Jeff Kavanaugh still works with TNA today. Lovely fella. Gilberti was better, but also nervous. The problem with him was that he got on a lot of people's nerves at the show, trying too hard to be everyone's friend and telling jokes. Some thought he was overbearing. Glenn Gilberti? No. Hmm. A tryhard who's overbearing. Pritchard wasn't nervous at all and was said to be the best of the three, but it was joked that he looked like he was transported directly out of the 70s. And our last note for the month, mm-hmm. Jerry Jarrett hasn't been seen in a TNA event since his stunt meeting at WWE headquarters seven months ago with Oleg Prudius or Vladimir Kotlov. It's so funny. 
That is the news. That brings us to broad topics, starting with the big NWA world title match between Jeff Jarrett and Christian Cage, which is the main event of Against All Odds 2006. The January 21st impact is built around teasing after the final resolution main event of Sting and Christian Cage against Jeff Jarrett and Monty Brown. Sting is about to appear on television, but the whole first episode this month is built around Sting actually not appearing on television. Yeah, like, it's such a funny bit to be like, pay-per-view, Sting's here, wow, things are crazy, and then the next TV show to be like, wow, Sting's not here anymore. But, like, the first half of it is like, Sting will be here tonight, Sting's first appearance on TV since WCW, Sting will be here tonight, and then halfway through the episode, it's like, Sting's not here tonight, he'll be here next week. He's late. How do you feel about that as, like, a bait and switch? Do you think, like, some of the audience will be like, what the fuck, Sting? Well, I think it's very bold to start off Sting's run with a he isn't here regardless. Mm. I think that doing a bait and switch is worse than the bad decision. Yeah, so this episode opens with Don West in the car park. He's awaiting the arrival of Sting. He's like, Sting's gonna be here tonight. He's gonna be on TV for the first time. Mike Tanay on commentary for the whole show is like, Sting, 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 Sting's here. And then like halfway through, franchises with Larry Zbysko and franchises like, dude, what's the deal? Sting's not here. And Larry's like, Sting has been delayed. He'll be here next week. And we'll also have an announcement about Jeff Jarrett's against all odds opponent. And then Franchise is like, ooh, we did loads of things with Sting. Is something wrong with Sting? What's going on with Sting? And then Monty comes in and shouts about how he wants the world title shot. And he steals the world title contract. From- I love how defensive Larry Z gets. Because like the implication being at this point that he's like fumbling Sting. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like... There's nothing wrong with Sting. Stop saying there's something wrong with yeah, Sting. Like, hey, stop it. Everything's going fine. He'll be here next week. And everyone's like, yeah. They're like, how did you fuck this? Yeah, so Larry had like the world title contract and he's like, there's going to be a name on it. But then Monty comes in and steals it. What? Monty is like so weird this year. That's because they don't know what so to do far. with him. But like, especially this month, he's just like a weird freak. And more than normal. <laughs> There's a promo on the pay-per-view where like Jarrett's doing his interview and Monty interrupts him and Jarrett's like, I know what you're going to say. Uh, I want my title shot. Pounds, period. Hunt, uh, be hunter, be hunted. It's a Serengeti. It's like, yeah, that is actually what Monty says in every one of his promos. But also Jeff Jarrett is not one allowed to say you cut the same promo every week. <laughs> hmm. But also it's like, they're like, they're really like turning him again. Well, because like Jarrett's the heel champion, so they have to put Monty opposed to Jarrett somewhat. But, like, the whole point was that he was, like, here with Jarrett, and now they're, like... He's back to being, oh, like, I no. want your title. You're not wrong. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Like, there, didn't, there wasn't, like, a switch for it. It was just, like... One week he decided, oh yeah, I want to be a champion again. Mm. So Christian comes out at the end of the show. He's like, Sting can't be here because he's watching the life story of Monty Brown and Jeff Jarrett at the movies. That's Brokeback Mountain. Owned, because they're gay. You get yeah, they're gay, Liam. Yes, they're gay. Because they, gay. Have you considered they're gay? <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> Because they're, they're gay. Christian says that Sting will have a major announcement to make next week. Jarrett comes out and says the usual stuff. But he says, I don't care who faces me. He actually names drops Chris Jericho here as well as a, a potential option. He's like, your pal Chris Jericho. Doesn't... People got so excited after he said the name too. And I'm like, don't tease them. Mm. Monty comes out. Rhino makes the save. Both Christian and Rhino eye up the contract because Monty brought the contract with them. Rhino goes to pick it up. Christian stands on it. Then Abyss shows up and we get more brawling as Monty picks up the contract, looks at it for himself it's like what if i got the title shot of alpha male and it's like okay i get yeah because we're, we're getting close to the end of monty aren't we yeah we get to july i think july or august and that's mm. the end of monty so we are we are running out of time so has to go be marcus corvan oh, no <laughs> then he never returns you're going down down Just down down 
To be fair, if if um, Monty had that theme in TNA, he would have been world champion. Because <laughs> that theme is amazing. The January 28th Impact opens with Jeff Jarrett versus Jay Lethal. Fun combination, considering. Yeah, Jarrett gives Lethal a lot here as well. Like, Jarrett doesn't just squash him. He gives, like, a, a, a proper near fall. Because Jackie Gata comes out with a tape with a tape recorder. She hands it to Gale, and as, as, as Jarrett insists, nothing is wrong. What are you talking about? Everything's fine. Lethal hits, like, a great springboard dropkick and then gets a little near fall on diving headbutt before Jarrett beats him with a stroke in which Lethal, like, leapt 16 feet in the air for. Yeah. It's... It's so funny that, like, they're wrestling each other, like, in one of, like, you know, Lethal's first ten matches? First five matches? First five? Yeah, he wrestled Joe, and he had another match on TV, all right, didn't he? So maybe his third or fourth? Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then like, you know, now Lethal and Jared are, like, on TV linked. I didn't even think about that until right now. It's like, oh yeah, these guys are in a stable at AEW. Yeah, they're in heat. They just wrestled the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. <laughs> I did see that, with teaming with the Dark Order for some reason. Because they're all heels. Mm, the stroke was the more perplexed move of the night, in case you were wondering. Oh, had AEW, first week that we had a move of the night. Did they do that recently? This week. Oh, who was it sponsored by? The 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 EVP trigger was the move of the night. I'll find out who it was. Was by. it Morphoplex? It was not. I would have freaked the fuck out if it was Morphoplex. <laughs> um, the TurboTax move of the night. Oh, <laughs> TurboTax is too close to to more to fucking Morphoplex. It does feel in the same universe, doesn't it? Uh, Christian comes out and announces that he will be the one that will be challenging it against all odds, and he he promised to end the reign of terror because that's how he rolls. Um, Reign of Terror, uh, a f- term of phrase copyrighted by MJF. Mm. I learnt in my my jumping throughs. No, like actually. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he uh, he um he copyrighted the term Reign of Terror. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> by the way, Jarrett's only been champion since November, so of all the reigns, this has been the least terrible. Not terrible, it terrible. Still, it's still a yeah, terrible. <laughs> Jay Lethal That's... got his contract offer because he impressed Jeff Jarrett in their match at this day, uh, in this match. <laughs> Not because of his sweet match with Samoa Joe. No, it's, he got in there with Jeff and Jeff was like, oh, now I'll give him a contract. He didn't get the offer until after the tapings and contrary to the report in last week's issue, he has not signed as of press time. He hasn't even read the contract as of the weekend, but gave indications he would probably end up signing. He may be stalling to see if WWE will make him a bona fide offer, but they didn't. Uh, JB has been pushing him for months after seeing him in Ring of Honor, but others thought he wasn't quite ready when his name first came up. But pretty much the consensus now is they're impressed with him. How did you feel about um, Jay Lethal as like face of the company ROH guy? I liked Jay Lethal a lot in like X Division era. Like th- this year, basically up to when he wins the X title and like with the Black Machismo stuff. I, I really liked him as that because he was like a plucky underdog baby face who was really explosive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like post TNA he was trying too hard to be like some version of like Nick Aldis you know like I am a credible NWA champion style champion who works like Ric Flair style matches that are like slow paced building yeah he was trying to like like bring a certain like workhorse element to the ROH title for a while there yeah and and, like it wasn't the kind of like I'm gonna have these really cool matches it was like there there was like a traditionalism to what he was trying to do that I just Mm. never vibed with like it was just it was too slow it was too kind of boring as opposed to like the wrestler like you watch this match against Jeff Jarrett and he's really explosive like he he gets it he's doing like the the springboard dropkick when he takes the bump on the stroke he hits the diving headbutt for the near fall like you watch this Jay Lethal and you're like this Jay Lethal is a really exciting pro wrestler and the guy who ended up like anchoring Mm. Ring of Honor was a guy who was like really like I am working 
booking what is very traditionally considered a good wrestling match. And I just found it really boring. And now he's kind of like halfway in between because mm. he's not like getting 30 minute main events anymore. He gets like his 20 minutes on TV. I will say I really enjoyed him in the C2, but that could have been because the C2 was just awesome and everyone was great in it. Yeah, everyone was just having good matches on TV every week. Isn't that fun? T- Garrett, uh, tell them about your dream pitch, which I thoroughly agree with. <laughs> what, did I just dream that they just had a second full-fledged G1? <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't even like a best of the super juniors. It was just like AEW decided to do two round robin tournaments a year with main eventers instead of one. Was it a full like eight and eight? I don't think my dream fleshed it out that much. Oh, I wanted to see like, I was going to ask you who was in the blocks. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I remember, was I think the, the match in my dream was like Samoa Joe against Mox. As like a, a G1 match, but AEW G1, mm. but it was like June, so it wasn't the C2. And I was like, in my dream, I was like, they're doing another round robin? Really? They should. That'd be awesome. Mm. You know how you differentiate it? How? You do eight and eight. Yeah. Bigger stars in mm-hmm. it, 15 minute time limits, so it has more draws, but everything's quicker and you can get through stuff more. Yeah, good matches instead of long matches. What we, I mean, come on. It was a 20-minute time limit on all the things. <laughs> it was perfect. No, the C2 also had good matches instead of long matches, so thumbs up. Yeah, I just... I, man, the C2 reinvigorated my love of that company. Yeah, I think it did for a lot of people. And then it kind of went back down again, and now it's, kind of, now it's back. <laughs> the end of this episode of Impact, Mike Tanay introduces Sting, who still comes out to his bad butt rock song this time. I don't like it. Yeah, what the hell? Where's the real Sting theme? Sting does this promo about how he thought the match against Flair in 2001 would be his last match, and then how he's like, I missed the roar of the crowd, I didn't get to go out in my own terms. He does. He talks through his career, talks through the big moments of his career. TNA called him, and he turned on the TV, and he saw Styles and Joe and Abyss, and was like, TNA is my brand. Talks about how Final Resolution was the perfect moment, how he didn't have closure five years ago, but now he does. So, after Final Resolution went so well, he didn't want to sullied that moment he didn't want to take it down a notch so sting left sting has retired (laughs) he thanks dixie carter and the carter family he thanks the fans he doesn't want to taint that moment so he says goodbye says thank you leaves his bat in the ring and leaves as the crowd chant please don't go aj saban and sanjay greet him on the ramp christian greets him at the top of the ramp as well as like what the hell dude and christian looks befuddled as sting walks down the tunnel so the big angle with sting is that he's gone all of the christian stuff from this point on like skews heelish mm-hmm. and you may be you Garrett Kinney may be sitting there like well yeah he turns heel in like three months whatever but I don't know that and it's, I just thought it was interesting that it's like he kind of comes across whiny for the rest of the month yeah like he st- doesn't it doesn't strike me as they're teasing a heel term because why would they he's about to become world champion as a baby face so like that's why I thought it was weird timing and why I didn't believe the title change on the show. <laughs> they do turn him in like July, August. But yeah, he does. It does. It is kind of weird that he's like, "What the hell, Sting? You left." And he's on the phone to Sting at points during the month. He's just hanging around with Sting. And then he's like, I- "I'm not getting the title shot just because Sting left." Because mm. yeah, that, that's the whole idea that like the contract is open because Sting is leaving. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I don't know. I just I thought he was really like sort of cowardly and and heelish throughout the rest of this month mm. i did think but of course he's facing like the biggest coward of all so it kind of evens out i did think sting's promo was really good here yeah it's, it's nice to hear sting talk AEW should let him do that they don't do it nearly enough i kind of hate because it's very funny like wcw's thing was not a promo guy like he very famously for an entire year did not talk he stood in the rafters and pointed at people like he, he was not known for cutting promos in wcw whereas like 
TNA Sting really is a promo guy. He does loads of promos in TNA, and he's really, really, really good. And it's a shame that mm. AEW don't let him talk. I know there was a uh, there was some discourse about Darby Allen's promo on Dynamite just because of the the kind of I like the the worked shoot part. I understand the criticisms in that like he just murdered you and your friend. Why are you talking about like the start of AEW? You should just be like you murdered me and my friend. And we're going to kill you. I kind of get that, but yeah, just get Sting out there to do that promo to do the like you tried to take me out before I could even retire on my own terms. But I'm going to get my revenge at the pay per view. To get Sting out there to cut that kind of promo and he'll fucking rock it. We'll see if they let him do that on Wednesday. If Sting doesn't talk before that revolution match, like, that's a, a booking dereliction of duty. Like, what are you doing? Like, the only reason you do a beatdown, which the beatdown was awesome. Like, it was a great beatdown. But the beatdown is mm. then only as effective as, like, the babyface promo vowing revenge, which is a step people forget all the goddamn time. Like, if you beat down a babyface, the babyface has to do the revenge promo. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Like, if the babyface doesn't vow to get revenge... Like, like, what's the point of the beatdown? Um, but yeah. you, you got to send Sting out there next week to cut that big fiery promo. Because, like, the only real promo he's done is the MJF one, isn't it? And that one was great. He, he was so good he there. Has, this is, he has not been promoing much in this company. He doesn't talk in AEW either. He just stands around and points. As opposed to, like, this promo was really good in TNA. Like, like his delivery is great. I, just, I also want to put it out there because it needs to happen. And I need to be on record if it doesn't happen. Um, Sting needs to have the Muda theme medley at his retirement. They're releasing that EP with the like themes through the years next week, and mm. you'd have to imagine that will then form the basis of his last entrance, right? Yeah, but I want the real songs. <laughs> but those are close enough. They can't get the real song. They they could get the Sting one. They could get <laughs> the Sting one. The TNA they one. They should be able to get the TNA one. But they can get the TNA one. They got the fucking Metallica one. Mm. For goddamn Wembley. But you wouldn't be able to get the like the couple of w- the other WCW ones. You could ask Paul. Yeah. Maybe he wants some good press right now. He doesn't need the WWF one or WWE one because that one's bad. Yeah. But like you can get the WCW one if you ask nicely probably. <laughs> uh, and what else do you need? Man Cold Sting. Because the WCW one, the non-Metallica one is good. They're like do, 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 do. I love that yeah. name. Do, 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 do. Yeah, but like, I he needs to have that medley. And if you have to replace the ones that, that you can't get from WCW, fine. But like, you need the other ones that you can get. Get the main of a mafia team too. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the wolf. Oh, he fucking needs the wolf pack team too as well. Ugh. Get Jimmy Hart on the phone. Jimmy, actually, yeah, WWE don't own the wolf pack song. Jimmy Hart does, so you can get the wolf pack song. I'm sure, like, listen, this dude is the biggest fucking nerd in the world and a big sting nerd. I'm sure he's had this exact same thought. Mm, he better. He better do it. So, because it, cause also, if that does happen, more importantly, that becomes the standard for wrestling retirements. Because mm. so, if they do it with Muda and they do it with Sting, like, that becomes what you just do, and that needs to be what you just do, because it's so Yeah, cool. I went back and watched the Muda one a couple of months ago. It's like, oh, it's the, one of the best things about wrestling last year. Like, you do it with Brian, too. And you can even do it. You can get Flight of the Valkyries. Yeah. Public domain, bitches. So yeah, the point of this angles thing is gone. He's disappeared. He said he's walked away. But then the the question throughout the rest of the month, particularly for Eric Young, is has he actually? Hmm. Because Eric Young, again, the one guy who can always see what's really going on in this company. (laughs) Sting was legitimately concerned with how the live crowd would react to him when he made his pay-per-view return last month. Wrestler said he was very nervous and openly questioned where where he fit in on a roster that featured so many cruiserweight high flyers. He was nearly in tears when the crowd reacted favorably, and a wrestler says he was thrilled once he returned to the backstage area with the live crowd's response. So that's kind of charming that even a guy, the success of Sting is like, will they remember me? Will they care? 
He always has those kind of feelings, though. Mm. He's a very humble met boy. Uh, TNA on January 28th set its ratings record for the debut of Sting, doing a 1.08 rating of 1.26 million viewers. That's not actually a record for the audience. They did 1.28, so slightly more before, but it is a record for the actual rating. Uh, the Sting interview itself peaked with a 1.19 and added 17% new viewers over the 15 minutes. The important news here is the rating, unlike the past weeks, was not drawn to due to UFC. UFC had a week unleashed show when it came to star power beforehand and only did a point zero seven. So Sting, so shock of all shocks, a television draw. Yeah. Oh like I mean what did you expect? It's crazy to see these numbers. Like just with twenty twenty four wrestling eyes. Yeah and for like the history of impact, one point two six million viewers is on like the low side. Yeah. Like it's and but like you look at now and you're like they would kill for this. Yeah if AEW did one point two six million for an episode of Dynamite, Tony Khan would be tweeting nonstop for three weeks. <laughs> for every fourth impact, Terry Taylor has Larry Zabisco and Larry's quite flustered about Sting. He's like, don't worry about it. Stop asking me about Sting disappearing. I did not fuck up Sting. Please stop asking me about Sting. I didn't fuck it up. He will be here again, I promise. So the big thing on this show is that there is a press conference for Christian Cage and Jeff Jarrett for the NWA World Title match. Larry says that the championship committee has taken precautions to ensure that there is a fair winner. They roll out Dory Funk Jr. to put over the history and legacy of the NWA title. Uh, Jarrett starts talking and naturally gets in his uh, I brought TNA to Hulk Hogan line. Which is so funny. He gets it in no matter what. He's like really hedging his career on that moment. Mm. <laughs> well, well, because in WCW he never got one over on Hogan, whereas that's like the one time he sort of kind of got one over on Hogan, even though when you think about it, Hogan got one over on them because they shot the angle and never did the match. But still, he got the footage of him hitting Hogan with a guitar, so he wins. Yeah, he bludgeoned him. It's like a very visceral shot. I understand, like, you know, using it, but <laughs> it's almost become to the point of parody, though, which I do appreciate. Mm. Every time there's a video package about the history of TNA, it's in there at the moment, so. Yeah. Somebody asked Jared about Jackie Gator and he shouted them down. Monty interrupted, demanding the next shot. Abyss and Mitchell were watching from the back of the room. Christian and Jared did a pull apart as Larry desperately seemed to be like, Guys! Guys! <laughs> Guys, please stop ruining my show. I really enjoy Larry Zabisco. He's so good. He's actually a very good. GM style character. Mm. Uh, then end of the show, Planet Charter talking to Alex Shelley. They want him to get dirt on Jackie Gaeta, and he's like, if you don't get the job done, don't come back, to which Shelley responds, stern ultimatum, but don't worry. Stern ultimatum. That segment ends with Eric Young, very paranoid, gets the camera, looks down the lens and says, Sting's not gone. <gasps> so that's the, the conspiracy theory. Eric is very scared. They're really getting the beginnings of the, the true Eric Young ethos. Yeah, because he's, he's been jumpy for the last while, you know, ever since they got on Spike, he's kind of started to be like Eric Young, the character, where he's like paranoid and he's he's not confident and he's scared of the pyro. And now he's like full on, like, Sting's not gone, Sting's not gone. I, I really loved at the paper. We'll just jump for, for a second when like Jared's first arriving and he's like, he's actually like treating Eric Young with like a level of weird respect. <laughs> He's like, come on, buddy, what did you see? He's like his dopey brother. He's like, ah, come on, pal. Everything's gonna be fine. We're doing great. We don't We don't need to worry about Sting. It's okay. Eric is like, like not Eric. Uh, Jeff is like genuinely nice to the people in his like bad group of people. Mm, he's a good leader. <laughs> like he would, yeah, super, well, yes. <laughs> in story, he is. Mm, uh, February 11th Impact Go Home Show. There's just a couple of features on this show. There's a feature looking at Christian ahead of the pay-per-view main event and then a feature on the Jared Christian match. And then the show ends with Christian walking out of TNA Management's locker room. He's talking to Sting and says the referee situation is under control and promises to become world champion at against all odds. 
So not like the best build to Jarrett and Christian. They're kind of playing off things that have already happened. Like they probably don't feel like they need to do a lot of build for it because these two have been like feuding really for three months. Yeah, and like I guess the idea is like Christian is like he, he, the audience buys Christian as like a, a babyface challenger to Jared. It's not like you have to convince them that this is a guy who can beat Jared or really make them care. You don't have to be worried that the audience won't care about Christian. You know, you, you don't have to do a ton of build to be like, oh no, mm. what if they don't care? Like they will. They'll, people like Christian. They'll cheer for Christian. They'll be happy for Christian to win. And like, it's, it's not like this is going to be a blood feud either. Mm. So it is more the classic, I just want to take your title. Uh, it is, a, a lot of it's about Sting more than Christian. But listen, uh, Against All Odds opens with Christian arriving at the building with a, in a regular car. Then Jarrett arrives with um in, in a Jeep. <laughs> I love like, oh, Christian, the everyman. Yeah, with his normal car as opposed to Jarrett and his big Jeep. So as he said, this is a segment where Eric Young is like, once again, reinforcing Sting isn't gone. Sting isn't gone. I love Scott Demore here. He's like, stop it. I told you, not tonight. You don't do this tonight, sir. And like, there, there's a, a moment where Eric Young and Jared are talking and Scott is behind Jared being like, no, stop it. Stop it. No, stop it. Yeah, he's like doing like the like the the wrap it up. Yeah, don't you dare talk. But then Jared reassures EY and makes him repeat Sting is gone over and over again. And then I think doesn't it end with like Eric Young being like, Ugh. yeah, he's he's not he's not reassured. He is still scared of Sting. Wouldn't we all be? So there is a a, a show running thing where uh, for all the backstage segments with Planet Jarrett, with Rhino, with people like that, Larry walks in and and reinforces that there will be no outside interference in the main event except for Gilkim. But other than Gilkim, there is no outside interference. No one is allowed to interfere. She's the only one who's allowed to be there. She has a manager's license. She is, yeah. But, and like Scott Damore. Then there's uh, there's also uh, a backstage segment where Mark Johnson, Slick Johnson, walks up to Larry Zabisco and JB and he's like, I notice there is no referee assigned to the main event. Is that an oversight, Larry Zabisco? I've refereed 85 WCW main events. I have the credentials. Um, whereas Larry's like, no, we have a referee. And if I wanted you to know, you'd know. Go away. I like that. Like, Larry should be like, oh, yes, 85 WCW main events. I'm sure they all went really well. <laughs> there was not at all ref bumps and controversy in all of them. Uh, JB has Jarrett and Gale, the usual Jarrett promo, before Jarrett gives out about Monty doing his usual Monty promo. <laughs> Jarrett does promise that Monty will get the next shot after he beats Christian, though. And then, mm-hmm. right before the main event, JB... By the way, JB doing backstage interviews now, which is more, like, traditionally TNA, people remember JB as the backstage interview yeah. guy, because... We're, sl- we're slowly getting more and more TNA. This is also the show where Dave Penzer starts as the ring announcer, so JB has moved backstage, Dave Penzer's doing the ring announcing now. Um... I always liked JB as a ring announcer. Though. Yeah, I did too. Except, except when he fucked it up all the time. <laughs> yeah, but that was part of his charm in the Asylum days when he'd say, reigning and defending for every title match that's not a title match. Um, but yeah, Christian does the big baby face promo beforehand, being like, I've worked toward everything for this. You know, uh, people wonder whether I'm a mid-card comedy act. Why can I rise above it? This is my chance to prove it because that's how he rolls. And then the main event for the NWA World Championship. It is Christian Cage defeating the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett, to become the new champion. I still don't believe it. <laughs> Why don't you believe it? I just, I don't know. I never thought, I guess, 
I just never put two and two together, like, that this is where the, the first title run happens. There was, uh, like, PW Torch said it was a mild surprise, which it does kind of interest me, because, like, obviously I wasn't watching TNA at the time, so I don't know what the, like, the pulse was of whether or not people thought Christian would win, but it does seem like people thought Jarrett would retain and maybe Christian would chase him a little longer, as opposed to Christian just coming in and beating him in their first match. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't expect it, so, <laughs> goes to show. Whereas, uh, like, I think, like, no one wants a prolonged chase here it's like people are sick of jared people like christian it was the right choice to just go with christian yeah but the like, thing is just because it's the right choice doesn't mean it's gonna happen yeah, yeah it's this company so they're gonna get heat for six months before christian wins it when nobody cares um and also i did think that this was a pretty good like jeff jared main event too <laughs> um, i mean like in that it was a three-star match yeah He's had worse. Which means it was a good match. Like, I thought the Rhino match was better on pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I don't know. This was my kind of, like, good sticky stuff. Like, I didn't mind when they got down to... Like, I, that's part of my problem at this stage, I do think. Whereas, like, I'm now at the point after three years of watching Jarrett, I, I just... I can't deal with this bullshit anymore. Or no, no, the opposite, I guess. Yeah. I can't deal with him pretending to be a normal wrestler, and I'm just like, just get to the bullshit. I'm fine with the bullshit at this point. Just, I, I don't want to watch you try to be a normal wrestler for like four, for like sixty-five percent of a match, and then you kick into the bullshit. Just get straight to the bullshit. Embrace it. Acknowledge that this is the kind of wrestler you are. Yeah. It, you know what it is? It's kind of similar to that Jay Lethal thing, mm. where he's like cosplaying a different kind of champion. That he thinks he needs to be when he should just be embracing what he is. Yeah, and like I've just watched too much of him at this stage to be like I can invest in the idea of him doing a straight match because that's not what it's going to be. So just get to the thing it's going to be. Yeah, it was, it was, exactly. it was, it was decent. It's not like a bad match. It's just I'm tired of Jeff. I'm just so tired of Jeff. <laughs> Fair enough. Larry Z comes out with Dave Hebner and the referee for this contest, Earl Hebner. My god. And at this point, I was like, Jeff Jarrett's winning. <laughs> Mike Tanay does immediately reference Montreal. And I was like, they're putting it in our heads early. They're gonna do it. Uh, they did. Again. Of course, for some reason, they did a spot where Jarrett got Christian in a sharpshooter. And then Earl, like, feigned to start calling for the bell. And Christian, like, grabbed his ankle and begged him not to. And I have no idea why we're doing that in this Christian Jarrett match. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand it. Like, what are we doing Montreal spots for in this match? I mean, because they still think it's, like, fun. And, like, like how I remember. It's cool and edgy. It's like, what? No, stop it. Uh, Christian did have some nice white and gold gear. His, his I'm winning a world title gear. I liked it. I mean, I like, I, I don't know. This, Jared and Christian are, like, this weird, like, mirror of each mm-hmm. other. Where it's, like, one's if you take the dark path. And one's <laughs> if you take the, the righteous path. <laughs> But Christian's a much better heel than Jared as well, though. I didn't mean, like, in that sense. Mm. <laughs> just career. Oh, just in terms of just general? Yeah. Christian's like the, you're a kind of upper mid-card goof, but you do it the right way. And Jared's like, you're an upper card mid-card goof, but you do it the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. Like, one guy knows, one guy did it right, one guy did it wrong. Mm. Christian misses a crossbody off the top of the floor, hits the rail, which allows Jarrett to get the heat. They do multiple ref bumps. Jarrett slid through Christian's legs and took out Earl Hebner's ankle for the ref bump. (laughs) This allowed Gale to distract Christian, allowing Jarrett to hit a top rope stroke, but Christian kicked out. Jarrett then whips Christian into Hebner, 
with causing another ref bump. Christian Hidden unprettier, but Slick Johnson runs out. Jarrett kicks out. Johnson saw Jarrett low blow Christian. He was going to DQ Jarrett. It wasn't a thing that was reinforced, and I think it, it's a thing that does need to be reinforced, but like title changes hands on a DQ. So the idea that Jarrett doesn't want Slick Johnson to DQ him is right for TNA because he would lose the title. The commentary didn't reinforce that, but it's a thing that's so niche in TNA storytelling in terms of like titles change hands on the DQ that I do think they have to bring it up. Like for the most part, the heel would be fine with getting disqualified in that instance, but title changes hands. So he, he, he can't get disqualified. Uh-huh. Exactly. Jarrett took out Slick. Christian tries to run prettier Gale, but Jarrett hits him with a guitar. Christian kicks out. Gale went to Rana Christian, but he powerbombed her. Christian unprettier for the win. Crowd rushed the ring. Hold Christian aloft as the new NWA world champion. It's a great visual to have, like, you know, big baby face win and the crowd come to him. Yeah, they, like, fill the ring as well. Like, that that ring is full to the brim of people. Yeah, it, it, it's in, scarily so. Mm. My favorite guy was, like, even when it was, like, completely full, there was one guy, like, Matt Hardying the ropes on the outside. <laughs> and I was like, you're gonna die. Those people more than likely did not sign waivers either. So if those people did die, there's a lawsuit. No! Yeah, the ring just, like, buckles. Well, didn't that happen once? That the ring collapsed under a fan run-in? Yeah, with, like, a, like, a ton of fans were in it, and the ring, like, just collapsed. I don't remember, but that does... I have, like, a vague memory of that, yeah. yeah it was, like, ECW? Yeah, it was, um... It was the Gangsters versus, um, Public Enemy. Mm. Let me see if I can find them. I have, like, a... Yeah, it's just everyone's in the fucking ring, and it just starts to, like, tumble over <laughs> to the side. Uh, ECW rings is very trustworthy as well to do something like that in. Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy, the one guy he like jumped off just a second before it, it all collapsed. Maybe he, he, maybe he, that, like that motion was actually what caused it to collapse. <laughs> if they had kept the momentum, it would have been fine. Yeah, it was actually perfectly evenly distributed until he got out of there and suddenly everything started tipping over. <laughs> and the TNA ring's clearly sturdier because it did hold up to a big full of people. Much to Jeremy Borash's relief. Yeah, so it was JB who came up with the idea to allow the fans to rush the ring to celebrate with Christian. Dixie Carter joked that if the ring broke from the weight of fans, the expense came out of his paycheck. So JB is happy it all went well. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, Christian is your new NWA World Champion, so we'll get a, a babyface title run. It's certainly better mm. than Jeff Jarrett being that champion. We have not had a meaning... Actually, no, we had Raven. We had Raven during the summer. I was going to say we haven't had a meaningful babyface title run since, like, 2003. Actually, no, even longer, because AJ was a heel. Um, God, we've had very few babyface title runs in the history of this company. Yeah, because it's all been Jarrett. But, like, even, like, AJ was a heel for the first two no the second one he was a baby face so but the the, the second two only lasted like a combined six weeks so yeah but aj's first run where he was champ for a few months but he was also a heel so and ron was a heel god damn it everyone's a heel in this company yeah, because that's that's all they know is like heel champion, babyface chase. Yeah, of the like going on four years of this company so far, I'm pretty sure like a cumulative five months of it maybe have had a babyface champion. <laughs> yeah, six maybe, but not much. It's wild. Like a babyface champion is harder to book, mm. but like not that much. Harder. Yeah, it's not the don't do it that often. Plus, you just you gotta give fans hope. You can't just have that much heat. No one cares. <laughs> 
Yeah. Especially with Jared. Oh, definitely with Jared. Gar, gar, gar. That takes us over to Abyss and Rhino as the other major heavyweight program of the month coming off the back of their final resolution match. Uh, Abyss brawls with Rhino at the end of the first impact of the month. We talked about that in the segment where they're all looking at that contract and there's some Abyss and Rhino brawling. It's kind of a wild one, this uh, this build. Yeah, the, the whole idea is like these are two monsters that are out of control. They can't be contained. They, they they can't be pinfall counted somewhere. <laughs> they have to be counted anyway. Yeah, so the that is reinforced on the January 28th impact in which Abyss faces Rhino once again. Dave Hebner watches on but does not do anything. Um, <laughs> especially because uh, like Abyss is wailing on Rhino with a chair at some point, which does not draw a DQ. But then they brawl to the back, they brawl backstage, they set up in front of the backside of the interview set, and then Rhino gores Abyss through it. <laughs> It's awesome. It's a great spot. They even, like, I love how they set up a camera on the other side, but it makes sense why there is a camera on the other side. Because that's what they interview people. Yeah, because Shane Douglas is there. And if you actually watch Shane Douglas, he does actually have to, like, scurry out of the way. He really gets taken down by the interview set. It's awesome. It looks Yeah, it's, it's this big, like, metal sheet, and it crumbles down as, as Abyss and Rhino go through the matches declared a no contest. It's a, it's a cool-looking spot, and I do love the shot from the other side of the wall as you see them come through. That looks great as well. It was on the 50 Best TNA Moments DVD that I had growing up. And a thing I did appreciate, and it's a thing that I think AEW don't do enough of, but, like, the next two episodes of Impact, they replayed this. Like, this is, like, this is a cool spot, a cool moment. Like, Rhino has a match against Kenny King on the February 4th episode, as he's doing his entrance they replay it there and then in there, there's the main event of the Golem Hope show has Abyss and Rhino in it and they replay it again there so it's like they're, they're driving home this as a cool moment as opposed to just, just letting it like sit in one week and then disappear yeah they do that sometimes they should probably do it more though they do like reinforce you know Takeshita beat Kenny Omega twice in a week they do say that every week so they do they do it sometimes but mm. it might also be because Takeshita has done literally nothing since he beat Kenny Omega two times in a row but that's neither here nor there he beat- he beat Darby. That was a good match. And he beat Jericho. That was a less good match. He's done some things. Yeah, February 4th, Impact, Rhino versus Kenny King, foreshadowing the 2022 Impact versus Honor No More feud. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for that. You can look forward to these two facing off again in a 10-man tag in the main event of No Surrender 2022. <laughs> I, I, I will. I will look forward to that occurrence. <laughs> After like a month of them going back and forward between Man Beast and War Machine, it does appear they have firmly settled on War Machine. He's now introduced as the War Machine Rhino. Because I'm a War Machine. Taz is pissed. <laughs> he just squashes Kenny King with a gore here. And then main event of the Go Home Show is once again Monty Brown and Abyss facing Ron Killings and Rhino in the match. In a very important moment in wrestling history, Liam, that featured the debut of Ron Killing's What's Up theme song. We posted this to Twitter and it was very interesting to see how many people did not know that this song originated in TNA. I was thinking about that as like Ron Killings as like a TNA guy is almost forgotten in general. Like people like think of AJ as a TNA guy or even like Joe as a TNA guy. People don't really think of Ron as a TNA guy. He just wasn't there during a time period where like a lot of younger fans even watched uh, ironically, more people watch than ever, but like, also like, and also like his biggest stuff was like in Asylum era stuff mm. too, so it's like not in a particularly well thought of period. And you could also say he was also in the WWF beforehand, he was K-Quick in the WWF beforehand, so he, he was a WWE guy before he was a yeah, TNA but like, guy. no one knows him as fucking K-Quick. No one remembers getting rowdy? No. Ron was in a rumble at that point, wasn't he? He was in one of those rumbles in like 2000, I think. 
Get rowdy. Oh, you didn't know? A terrible tag team. The foreshadowing of Three Life Crew, but a terrible they, tag team. That they did for 10 years in TNA. <laughs> yes. Um, I like this main event. It was like a star-driven main event. Nothing special, but um, these guys can hit like cool moves in a tag team main that goes eight minutes. Truth, it's a great dive. They can, but they didn't, besides the dive. Yeah, it was a fantastic dive, and Mike Tanay started shouting. It's like, we have to go to break now, which is the favorite thing Mike Tanay does. I really enjoy it. You love these kind of, like, just throw some main eventers in a tag It's my match. favorite thing, Liam. It is your bread and yeah, butter. Yeah, you, you have, like, four pay-per-view matches you want to promote in the go-home show. You book yourself an eight-man tag, and I will fucking love it. Yeah. In, in my TEW, my go-to lately has been, like, world title and challenger versus, and, like, paired together with the tag champs and tag mm, challenges. Can't go wrong with it. Mm, no. Uh, Rhino and Abyss brawl out of the building. Conan distracts Ron, allowing Monty to hit the pants for the win. We will naturally get the Trio K family drama in a little bit. Of course, the, in, in its, its its constant stationary spot. Closing our show. Uh, pay-per-view, Rhino defeated Abyss in a false Count Anywhere match, which was much better than their match last month. Yes. You thought about that. <laughs> I did. Well, I did just because, like, I was trying to, like, remember the differences. But, like, no, yeah, they got to do way cooler stuff and Rano dies a bunch in this. And, like, and because also, it, like, it didn't help that the first pay-per-view match was, like, disappointing. Mm. Whereas this one was, like, you know, I'm not sure I was, like, ro- like hooting and hollering, you know, four and a half match of the year thing. But, like, you know, they had a better match that was more fun and did some crazier stuff. And it was fun to see Rano, like, just <laughs> charging around with the fucking fans. Yeah, because this is, like, full plunder, like, full false count anywhere, as opposed to the last match, which had some plunder, because Abyss's matches always do, but it was a quote-unquote straight wrestling match for the most part. Whereas here, like, Rhino's bleeding, they're running all over the crowd, they're falling through tables left, right, and center. There's gores through tables, there's, they, they go backstage at one point, and there's a spot where I think they're meant to break a car window with a baseball bat. So <laughs> Rhino tried, yeah. he hit the car, the window didn't break. Abyss tried, he hit the car, the window didn't break, and they just moved on. And that, that was like the only spot they did backstage. They brawled backstage to that car to do that, but like what I presume would have been at least a somewhat visually appealing baseball bat breaking a window spot, but it didn't work, so they just brawled back into the building. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when, like, you know, companies that don't have a shit ton of money for these kind of things do this <laughs> stuff, because you like, they get the shittiest looking car possible, or, like, something that just doesn't look as, like, WWE can do it, they have all the money in the world, right? They can get any car for a spot like this, but it's just funny when, like, a TNA does it, they're like, who's got some, like, beta that we can get for 300 bucks? Yeah, when, when Braun Strowman is flipping a truck, he is flipping a truck. Whereas yeah. where TNA are doing this, you are right, it is, like, the smallest, like, shittiest 15-year-old car that they could find that's probably been stripped for parts and there's nothing but a window on a door and a frame doesn't run oh it's just still there to this day sitting in the universal back lot they call it the the abyss and rhino car everyone has to pay respect as they walk in it's like a sword in the stone situation everyone walks up they grab the bat and they try to break the window but fail and one day the true ruler of the empire will break that window and they will be anointed so that would be awesome. There was also some like wacky floats backstage that I was hoping they would brawl onto, but they mostly ignored them. They can't afford that. <laughs> and Universal would probably get mad. They would definitely get mad. And deservedly so. But also, it would have been cool. The highlight of the match was the finish. So they brawl up into the stands. They're like up into like the 10th or 15th row or whatever. And there's like a, a little section where they could brawl in front of a section of fans. Abyss kicks out the wall at the end of that section and hits Rhino in the head with it, which is very funny. <laughs> It's, um, what do they call it in, like, games where it's, we can just pick up objects in the middle of, like, fight strings? I don't, I don't know, is there a word for it? Just, like, just, like, interactive, like, 
objects in the environment. It's like that. Yeah, so he hits him with the wall, but then Rhino gores him out of the stands to tables that are sitting like five, ten feet below. It's a four stack, so you would think it would break, it would break his fall, but it kind of doesn't. He goes flying down, he smashes through the tables. By all accounts, he actually lost consciousness for a while when he hit the floor, so... Jesus. You can see, like, if you watch the replay, it's an awesome looking spot, because he's gored out of the stands through some tables on the floor below. It looks great. But you can see that, like, the, he goes down fast through those tables. It's like, ooh, that was not a pleasant landing. Never is. It's the classic, because, like, after the uh, Rhino gets down and pins him, so Rhino wins. And then, like, they, they go back to Abyss, and it's like just like Baratwire Massacre, where he's getting, like, a standing ovation as he's being helped out by security. It's like, that is the cla- Like, Abyss has been baby-faced by just getting his ass kicked better than anybody in this company. They call this the Mick Foley. Yeah. It was the, like, people always called it the Benoit as well. The, like, sad, like, look to the audience for your standing ovation after you've lost thing. Benoit always did that. Mm. But, yeah, Abyss is just getting owned in sensational fashion and then they're getting standing ovations for it. It is the story of Abyss at the moment. Where it's like, beat each other up for four weeks on TV, go to the pay-per-view, lose. Mm. <laughs> Unless it's Sabu, then you can win. Yeah, good match. Much better match than last month. Is it not like a... It wasn't up there with, like, the best of the Sabu matches in terms of just, like, sheer chaos and nonsense. But it was a, an env- a very enjoyable plunder brawl on a show that didn't actually have any other plunder. So it's, it helps that stand out as well. Yeah. Uh, that takes us over to the X Division, where after five months, we finally gotten ourselves back to a Styles Daniels Joe rematch. I didn't even know that they went back to this world so quickly. Yeah, they do two more matches in 2006. Two more televised matches, anyway. They do another next month. They're not as good as the first, or even the the, the Turning Point 2009 match. I think both those matches stand head and shoulders above the 2006 matches. But you'll never turn your nose up at a Styles-Daniels-Joe match. <laughs> like, if, if you look at the pay-per-view lineup and you're like, Styles-Daniels-Joe, you're like, you know what, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> it, it does sort of speak to a certain unwillingness or non-ability to elevate anyone else in the X Division right now. It's actually funny, when you watch the the four-way on the pay-per-view, which is Jay Lethal, Matt Bentley, Alex Shelley, and P.D. Williams, there is actually, Mike Tanay actually kind of talks about that. It's like, there's been a real logjam at the top of the X Division with Styles Daniels Joe. These guys really can't get past that. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, it's true. I'm like, no one else in the X Division right now feels on that level either. I guess, like, your closest would be, like, Saban. Yeah, I was gonna say, so much so that, like, your tag challengers of the month are Saban and Sanjay. They have to move over to the tag division to get something to do. Yeah, which, honestly, it's probably better. Mm, but yeah, and, like, it's not like they're, they're, like, they're telling a story with Styles and the show, so I'm, I'm fine with them being on top of the X Division, but you are right that there's not a lot going on underneath them at the moment. There's a lot of guys just kind of hovering about with nothing like, to do. And just no one else feels on their level. No either that's like the other problem is like again like segment's probably the next guy up and he feels like a significant step down from those three. it is like a weird con of the fact that like they have elevated the x title to the point that like the three guys wrestling for it feel like meaningful stars in the company as opposed to like the michael shane days but then the downside yeah. of that is when you get past those three guys there is like this gulf until you get to, as you said, like Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, I guess, as like the next tier of guys who are lower mid-card guys. They're nowhere near Styles Daniels Joe. 
Yeah. Uh, so first impact of the month franchise has AJ. Styles mentions that he is wrestling a Samoa Joe against all odds for the X Division title, but he also has Shannon Moore in a street fight tonight. If you remember, the finish of Final Resolution was Joe was wailing on Daniel's uh, concussed skull so much that AJ threw in the towel. So <laughs> uh, Daniel's walks in. He's like, "Don't you find it very convenient?" <laughs> That you threw in the towel for me at the pay-per-view, and then suddenly you're number one contender. Isn't that funny? Don't you find that funny, AJ? AJ's like, come on, man, if you're already with a dad and we'll think about your family, you man. You have no brain. You have no brain, Bring man. Bring gone. Uh, and then Dan- <laughs> Daniels is like, hmm. Daniels is suspicious of AJ's motives. I like this because, like, they're both faces, and they, but they both still kind of have points. Yeah, they, they're they both right. Like, AJ is right in that he was getting murdered and he would have died. And Daniels is right in that, like, he's, like, the never-say-die baby face who's like, it wasn't your right to quit on my behalf. You, you did not have that right. And, I, I and like, Daniels is obviously a little bit in denial as a character. He's like, I could have still come back and win. I wasn't out. <laughs> but, like, he doesn't come across, like, heelish in that. Like, he's, he doesn't feel whiny, no. which is, like... It's a hard balance to strike. It just—it feels like a nuanced story, which thumbs up. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does lead us to a Shannon Moore AJ Styles street fight on this show. Yeah. The highlight of which is the match graphics as Styles versus Punk, which is yeah good for meme content for the Prince of Punk. If you're wondering, but yeah, it's like street fight Styles versus Punk. It's like whoa, that's a big man. Well, what are we watching a Ring of Honor show? Daniels is on commentary. He's talking with Mike Tanay and Don West, who, like, uh, as the babyface announcer is there, like, AJ was right to do what he did, and Daniels is like, it wasn't his decision to make. Uh, more brainbusters AJ on the apron, and AJ does a little dive out of the stands. It's not very impressive. Uh, more looks to pilmanize the knee with a chair, but Styles just lifts his foot out, of, lifts his foot up, so more just jumps on the top of the chair and hurts himself. Um, Joe watches on from the ramp. Daniels jumps on the apron to throw in a towel when AJ's in a submission. AJ's like, what the hell, man? The ref doesn't stop the match, but uh, the distraction does allow Moore to roll up uh, AJ for the win. So Shannon Moore scores a victory over AJ Styles. Even if it is to advance the story with Daniels with the towel, like him feigning to throw the towel in to distract AJ. But Shannon Moore pins AJ Styles. And like AJ is a protected act in this company. Not a lot of people beat AJ. I don't have, like, a major problem with it. I don't love mm. it, but also I just, like... I'm, like, it's telling us a story, you know? It's not just, like, AJ randomly losing on TV. Mm. There's a reason behind it, but, like, I don't know. It, I, I am fine with it, if not... I, maybe it's just a lack of dislike more than a, I, I, I like it, you know? I think it's more a problem with just Shannon Moore. <laughs> I just hate Shannon Moore. Well, yeah, Shannon Moore's annoying, so. It goes to the, what we were just talking about. Like, could you not have stuck Alex Shelley there, or Petey Williams there, or, like, one of the guys who might benefit from actually beating AJ, as opposed to this non-contracted guy who's going to be gone in a month? And do- it doesn't help that he is, he's literally gone in a month. But, yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the story is that Daniels is looking to turn on the town and be like, see how it feels. Which does kind of make him like a heelish dick. Mm. There was a lot of backstage heat, um, not just with me. There has been a lot of heat among wrestlers over Shannon Moore's push with the feeling that he did nothing to warrant a push, let alone pinning AJ Styles, albeit with a Christopher Daniels distraction. He got worse because everyone in the locker room believes the reason Moore got a big push without first proving himself was due to Jared, and that Moore's girlfriend is the well-known wrestling seamstress and former Julie... Former Julie... I assume it's still her name. Julie Draws. I suppose she might have mattered. No, um, because she was married to Draws. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. And forward Julie draws. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, who makes Jeff's wrestling outfits? So like, people think Shannon Moore is getting pushed because his wife makes Jeff's gear. <laughs> Which he may as well be. He might well be. You're not wrong. 
Uh, January 28th Impact was a feature on Styles, Daniels, Joe now officially announcing that it will be a three-way at the pay-per-view rather than Styles and Joe. Daniels has, has wormed his way into the match via shenanigans. Via <laughs> pissing AJ off, I guess. Uh, there's a, a backstage segment that sets it up, but Matt Bentley is asking for opportunities and Jerry Lynn is like, you got an opportunity right now. You didn't look at the board. You have a great opportunity. You have a match up next. And then Matt Bentley is like, hell yeah, what's my opportunity? He goes out to the ring. Samoa Joe's music hits. He's wrestling Samoa Joe. <laughs> it's a good bit. He's like, finally getting my opportunity. And listen, he should be happy. He's wrestling the ex-champ. Yeah, if he wins, he could get added to that three-way. Yeah, so Generation Next were also moaning and Jerry Lynn is like, I'm sick of all you moaning. And they're like, give us something, <laughs> please. Uh, Mike today and Don West debate whether or not it's the Bentley bounce or the, um, the Tracy bounce. Well, that doesn't mean that's not alliterative. It's also like, it's meant to be a bit that it's like, you're meant to be like, oh, it's the Bentley bounce. Well, obviously it's actually Tracy. But they're like, but it's Tracy. It's like, you're, you're, you're ruining the bit. <laughs> you're explaining the bit. Uh, Bentley more or less gets squashed. Dave Hebner's watching off in the crowd. Jerry Lynn and Generation Next are also watching on. Uh, good finish where at one point uh, Matt Bentley went for like a wheelbarrow into I think it was an arm drag. And he went for it again and Joe just transitioned it into the cookie and clutch and choked him out to beat him. <laughs> that was a, a good little finish. Match was nothing special. Indubitably. February 4th, Impact. AJ Styles faces Jay Lethal. Fun little combo to see. Mm. Joe watching on from the ramp, which is his favorite thing. He has a new towel as well as his bloody one. So he's like, ooh, more blood? He's like, more blood for the blood god. Who do I go after next to satiate my <laughs> vicious intentions? He just needs blood all the time. Uh, yeah, nice little match. Uh, AJ takes a wild bump off a of leg lariat because he's just a strange, crazy man who flips inside out on leg lariats. But double underhook into the Stars Clash, which I always appreciate. Like, the Stars Clash is the kind of move that on paper should be really rigid. Like, there shouldn't be, like, it should be, have, like, a single setup that you have to get into that makes it, like, kind of awkward as a finish. But AJ, because he's, like, super creative, finds, like, seven different ways to get guys, guys the Stars Clashes that feel, like, somewhat organic and makes the move make sense. Which is, like, hard for such a complicated yeah, move. Yeah, it, it should be a move that, like, you can only get into one way. I mean, it's, like, it's it's not the RKO, you know? Like, yeah, it's not just something you can do. Whereas here he's, like, double underhook catch him styles clash. It's like, yeah, you're, you're a good wrestler. Well done. And <laughs> Congrats. Stares down Samoa Joe as they continue building to their exhibition title match. They show a package on the show of TNA Down Under. They're in Australia. Down Under! At WSW, which still runs to this day and still has TNA people Yeah, because they, they ran some shows in, like, 2005 and then disappeared for, like, 15 years and then came back and still have a bunch of TNA people on their shows. So, yeah, the Styles and Daniels, who you think they did wrestle each other a bunch on the tour, but also on one of the shows, there was a mixed tag where Daniels teamed with Nidia and Styles teamed with Gail Kim. Awesome. <laughs> the dream mixed tag match that you would go to a show for. WSW is wild. A A wild Very funny company. I appreciate it for what it is. You were doing like a live watch along of it on one of our episodes like a few episodes back. Oh yeah, that was when my QTV woman Mm. just showed up and I was like, she wrestles? (laughs) She's in like a team with Soraya now, isn't she? She's doing a thing? Yeah, she's like a crazy girl. Mm. And she has knives. They did the like... You call that a knife? Uh, no, that's a spoon. That That's a Simpsons joke. I get it. They did, they did the Simpsons joke on Rampage. I see you played knifey spoon before. Mm. Uh, Stars and Daniel sniped at each other backstage before they needed to be separated because they're very mad at each other. Uh, they sniped at each other, which is only possible if the earth is completely flat because the curvature <laughs> of... Go home show. Samoa Joe faces in a three-way match Jay Lethal and Chase and Rance. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> You wanna, you, yeah, you take, you take. The this. highlight of the match is Samoa Joe slapping the shit out of Chase and Rance. 
It's like, why is he in this? He's just a Florida indie guy who needs to lose. But like, James Lethal's there. If anything, there is a little bit of respect for Lethal that they probably were like, we can't just beat Lethal again, so we'll throw somebody else in there to take the pin. Yeah, but you could have just like shown the story of like, it goes longer because Lethal is more experienced now. Could have told. Lethal wins the four-way on the pay-per-view, so clearly they're like... Yeah, but I'm, that, I'm still saying that that story still can end with mm, that. Either way, Joe kills him. You don't lose anything by losing to Joe. I don't know. He should beat Joe right here. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and Joe's winning streak, Jay Lethal Mega Push. Well, that would get, certainly get someone else into through the log jam. Only because he wrestled Jeff Jarrett as well. <laughs> like That's the only thing that would have gotten it. Not being good or... And he starts making Jeff's gear. <laughs> It's the shortcut to success in the business. <laughs> Pay-per-view. Styles. Daniels. Joe. Two. For the X Division title. It's not as good, is it? It's not. It's it's like, listen, it's still very good. It's still a Styles-Daniels-Joe match. It's not like best match ever level. And yeah. it does have to live up to best match ever level. Which is what people considered the first match, as Dave calls the 9-11 match. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Dave. But uh, it's, very, it's a very good it's it's a very good match. It's like if it was the first match in their series, you'd be like, hell yeah, I'd like to see more. But the fact that it's the second and not as good as the first does take like the wind out of the sails of this one a little bit. But it's it's very good. Yeah, I'm not gonna say no to it. Although I would enjoy seeing someone else in this sort of scene with these people. At some you point. will have one more month of it, but then Stars and Daniels are out of the X Division. So always good for the X Division into the tag division. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot more people landing on their heads in this match. If you're into that, I am into that because <laughs> there's a moment where Stars does a discus lariat into like while Joe has a back suplex as like almost a tag team move, and Daniels just lands right in his fucking goddamn head, like right in his head. Yeah. Uh, Daniels does a DVD on Joe where Joe more or less lands right in his head as well so fun stuff there is also like a front suplex at the start of this match just that just made me fucking cackle like like joe lifts him up and slams aj face first and then just spends like 15 seconds just looking at aj afterwards it's like you are the best wrestler that has ever existed there's never been a better wrestler than you there's a weird moment of admiration in the middle of the ring from a from a fellow uh worker so happy with his handiwork of mauling AJ. I'm just gonna just gonna look at it for a little bit. Which is a good bit. Yeah, and AJ of course takes every move like he's dying. So uh, Joe wipes out both with an elbow suicida. There is a bunch of fun stuff where they are doing like plays on spots from the first match. So like where the first match had the monkey flip in the corner where Daniel's monkey flip styles into a Rana on Joe, but Joe countered it this time. So like there's there's a, a lot of that stuff where there's match to match storytelling. So it's not just like them trying to replay the hits. Yeah, because they're all a bunch of indie geeks. Yeah, so they're they're doing variations on the theme uh daniels did sprain his neck in this match apparently which i can't imagine what moment did that <laughs> yeah i wonder i wonder if what what point in which his neck was injured mm. uh joe beats aj with the muscle buster so joe is still your x division champion as i said like it, it doesn't live in the pantheon of like the the two like truly great styles daniels joe matches which are unbreakable 2005 and turning point 2009 though actually if, you, if you've never seen the hardcore war 2006 house show match that match is also kind of awesome but uh, these two pay-per-view matches will get a we'll get an ultimate x between the three next month the spoilers um but they don't quite hit the heights of the other matches do 
At least Ultimate Next isn't just doing the same mm. thing. And listen, like I gave it three seven five, you gave it four. So like, like we're talking as if it's like a, it's, yeah. a, it's a two and a quarter star match. It's still a very good wrestling match. No, it's still awesome. But like you know, the X Division stuff is held to a high standard at this mm. point. There is also a four way on this show from a bunch of people who are around. So Jay Lethal, Alex Shelley, Petey Williams, Matt Bentley, Crowd are Bentley bouncing. They're having themselves a good time. They're very into the Bentley bounce at the moment. At the moment, the Bentley bounce is like well, well and truly a thing. Peaked. We, yeah, it's peaking. We are in. Peak Bentley bounce. Uh, it will not last forever. <laughs> uh, this match, of course, was mainly for Jackie Gata to show up and shout at Alex Shelley for filming her. In precarious position. Yeah, because we, we, we didn't mention it on the pay-per-view, but Scott does mention that he has the Jackie Gata tape and that he won't believe what's on it and they are going to reveal what's on it on Impact the following week. So we'll talk about that on next month's episode. But uh, Alex Shelley's like, she's, she's real freaky. <laughs> Seems illegal. Uh, yeah, I think Alex Shelley should go to jail. And then he becomes his whole thing. Yeah, it is the first of it actually being Paparazzi Productions, because the idea is Gail and Jared approach Shelley to start filming the Jackie Gata stuff for him. He he would have thought that, like, the gimmick of, I film my matches so I can study better, would turn into, like, paid detective sleuth (laughs) by the heels. I love the idea that he's the only person in this company that owns a camera. No, he's just the only one who can frame the shots. Nice. He's just like, they're looking around. It's like Monty doesn't have a camera. The Naturals don't have a camera. BG James couldn't oper- operate a camera to save his life. Shelly, that guy has a camera. Can he film stuff? He uses it on, on TV already. He's, he knows cinematography. Uh, I did like how like PD and Shelly kind of work together because they are like kind of stable aligned where PD is a, a, an actual member of Planet Jarrett and Shelly is kind of helping out Planet Jarrett at the moment. But also they don't get along. So they're always like uh, the, like mistrusting each other and constantly second guessing each other. So I think that was a, a fun little dynamic in this. Well, they're, yeah, they're not both in Planet Jarrett. Mm. Shelley just did, like, freelance yeah, work. He is in the orbit of Planet Jarrett, some might say. He's on a moon. A small <laughs> yes. moon. What's the name of the Alex Shelley moon? God. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of anything. It has to be a pun, and I can't think of a pun. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to leave you sit here until you... As revenge for losing the draft, I'm just going to leave you sit here. I'm not going to throw you a lifeline. and just we're going to do for the rest of the entire podcast until you come up with a name for Alex Shelley's moon meteor city machine gun <laughs> not the worst it could have been worse <laughs> um jackie gator does lead to the finish she slaps shelly and brawls with them this distracts pd allowing jay lethal to roll up pd to score his first tna win so jay lethal starting to get some wins here in tna i'm still trying to think of a better one <laughs> it's like you have to think of like pop culture moons which is not a ton of actually there's like the majora's mask moon that's crushing the earth. There's Harvest Moon. Is there anything you can do with that? I'm just going for anything space. So, like, tying space to Alex Shelley. <laughs> we'll move on to the tag division while you think about it. Yeah, I, I have nothing to say about it, so just <laughs> run through both the tag <laughs> feuds until I think of it. Team 3D have issues with Team Canada after they beat him up, made him bloody. The Shell Rock? <laughs> shell Instead of Shell There shock? you go. Well done. <laughs> It is a five minute process. No, I had to explain it. It's not good. No, still. you didn't need to explain it. I would have understood. You didn't actually need to explain it. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Team Canada are doing some stuff this month. They're feuding with Team 3D. They have a six man tag on the January 21st episode against Ron, Kill- Ron Killing Shark Boy and Lance Hoyt, which I really enjoyed. This match was just high energy and pretty good. People bumping, doing stuff. Lance Hoyt looked great, doing a great hot tag, just throwing the Canadians around. 
don't seem to have many thoughts about this Team Canada six-man tag. I'm still trying to think of a better <laughs> pun. It's, it's I can't beat this. Like I, I'm not happy with my, my answer PD yet. PD drops Sharky with the Canadian Destroyer to pick up the win as Team Canada gains some momentum. Later in that show, Franchise is in Larry Zabisco's office and Team 3D are mad about the finish at final resolution. If you'd remember, it was very stupid. Where Team 3D won the match, <laughs> but then the referee didn't call it, so they just decided not to win the match. <laughs> Like, they got the pin, the referee counted the pin, but the match wasn't over for some reason, who knows. Um, and eventually AMW retained. Bully's really mad, he's like, that's really stupid, but we want, because Team Canada and <laughs> AMW screwed us, we want both, we want them both. And, and Larry's like, guys, guys, management's up my ass. They're like, you're giving the wrestlers what they want too much, and I want to help you. So, I can't give you both, I really can't. For some reason, management just won't let me. So you have to choose. Even though, like, these two teams would definitely team up against the babyface <laughs> team the whole time. So Larry's like, you can, you have to give, give me a choice. I can really fight for one of these matches. I can get that through management. So which do you want? Do you want Team Canada or do you want AMW? And 3D are like, we want both, but we don't know. And Larry's like, think about it for a week. Come back to me. So following week, Team 3D face Buck Quatermain and Kenny King. How do you feel Lex Lovett feels? about the fact that Buck Quatermain is now teaming with somebody else. I think, um, you know, a part of a loving tag team commitment Mm -hmm. is knowing each other's boundaries. And if it was discussed beforehand, and, you know, Buck Quatermain didn't do anything that would breach a sort of romantic contract, Mm -hmm. uh, it's perfectly acceptable for Buck Quatermain to team up with someone else. Do you think they actually broke up because one of them now has hair? Yes. Because Lex Lovett is jealous of Buck's hair and he's like, we can't be partners anymore. Yes. No, the whole whole thing was that we were a couple of bald Mm. boys. We even included David Young every now and again. See, clearly it's an open tag team. But you just have to be bold. Uh, squash 3D win. 3D and Quatermain give 3D the win. Bully thanks the fans for giving them the Tag Team of the Year award, which he dropped and then nearly stepped on, so he clearly loves it. Uh, they can't choose between going after Team Canada or AMW, so Bully said they're going to leave it up to the fans. They can vote on the website. Would you rather see them face Team Canada or AMW, Liam? I, I, have, no, I have no clue how Team Canada won this. <laughs> like, obviously, I, I think everyone assumed that, like, AMW was gonna win because like to me it felt like this whole tag tournament was like oh fuck AMW didn't win I want like because like they could have worked the poll if they wanted to but like it does feel to me like they do want the detour 3D off to Team Canada so that AMW are freed up for a while so that like Team 3D don't just beat AMW for the tag titles that feels like what they're doing to me Mm. but you're also right that they're then like well what do AMW do I'm doing research to think of an Alex Shelley pun. (laughs) Following Impact, we open the show with Team 3D. Bully announces that the fans have voted for Team Canada, and then he starts a USA chance. So it will be Team Canada versus Team 3D at the pay-per-view. Go home show, Team 3D face the Diamonds in the Rough. The match ends by, I guess, Countout or DQ when Team Canada run in. It's not clear. Team 3D run wild, Diamonds in the Rough bail. AMW then come out and like, you're lucky you don't have to wrestle us. Devon says AMW will have their day in court and 3D will be the judge, jury, an executioner that, that's that's amw's yeah because they find the defendants guilty 
Hmm. Bully says when they're done with Team Canada, then AMW are next. Team Canada jumped between Team 3D. Team 3D run off the first wave, but then a second wave come out after Team 3D set up a table. Team Canada turned the tide, beat the shit out of them. EY hits Devon with the Tag Team of the Year plaque, which causes him to start bleeding profusely. <laughs> EY and Rude flapjack Bully through a table as Devon bleeds. It's a lot of blood. Rude then starts pouring Devon's blood on the Tag Team of the Year plaque as the te- as the anthem plays Team Canada out. It's a good beatdown. I like that they said, like, hit the anthem, and it's not even, the, like, the actual anthem, it's it's their theme music version. Yeah, it's the best version of the Canadian National Anthem. The Canadian National Anthem should have adopted mm. it. Credit to Devon. Imagine how much bowl, how much, imagine how much more bowl the Canada would be if they just had, <laughs> I was going to say credit to Devon for bleeding so much for this mid-card feud, but technically this feud is above the tag title feud on the pay-per-view, so, you know what? Fair enough. I'm also officially announcing I'm giving You up. have given up on your pursuit of an Alex Shelley moon? I, I think Shellrock was fine. You had it with Shellrock. I went, I was trying to work on something with Crescent. Um, I was trying to work on something with like Baby Bear. Mm-hmm. I was going to all different possible areas mm-hmm. and it just, nothing. I'm really devastated. If you knew the names of like all the moons of the various planets, there's probably one that has some wordplay in there. Well, yeah, there's one, there's one planet, like, one moon called Atlas, and I was like, Atlas Shelley, but, like, no one knows Yeah, Atlas. that's the problem. No one knows the moon name, so there's, there's, they're not, like, proper puns. No, it's like, well, there's, yeah, it's like, you, there's nothing for me to actually work with, you know? And you're like, is there anything to lunar, lunar shell? Lunar. lunar Productions? This is just the show now. Trying to come up with one moon-based Alex Shelley pun. If anyone thinks of a better moon-based Alex Shelley pun, please. Yeah, please drop like, them in the Discord. Send them to us on Twitter, at DNA History Pod, if you can come up with one. Lunar City Machine Guns. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, it almost flowed. Uh, if you can come up with a, a moon for Alex Shelley, please let us know. <laughs> I'm so upset. I'm not like, good at this. Pay-per-view match. Semi-main event at the pay-per-view, which was probably later than it should have went on. But Team 3D versus Team Canada. Huh? Sorry, I'm still recovering. What are you saying? <laughs> the pay-per-view match between Team 3D and Team Canada. Oh, it happened. It was a pretty straightforward, rudimentary tag. It was alright. It shouldn't have semi-mained. It went on after Stars Daniels Joe, and what do you do with there? <laughs> I mean, they probably were like, cool down. Thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, you are right that it is nearly certain that Jarrett was like, I cannot go on immediately after Stars Daniels Joe. You need to put something in that spot. <laughs> Which is like some actual, what would you call it? Reasonable foresight from one Jeffrey Gerard. I would personally argue if you don't think you can follow some people on the undercard, the people on the undercard <laughs> should be, the be main there. Event champion. Yeah. But it's neither here nor there. Uh, Devon bled a bunch again. They rubbed the plaque on his blood again. It was, it was fine. They tried their best to make this like bigger than it actually is. Yeah, it was the good Team Canada team as well. It was Root and Young who haven't really been the Team Canada team for a lot of the matches recently. But um, it just they expected this to be, I think, more heated than it ultimately was. And I just it was a good tag. Like, There's nothing wrong with it. It's a that's because Team Canada aren't exactly the most strongly pushed act. They're just Jarrett's minions, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's not like they're like what they were when they were like tag champs or whatever. Mm. Or facing it's a, a perfectly fine, perfectly competent, perfectly well wrestled, decent tag match that you will never think about again after you watch it. Mm. Uh, Rude hits a low blow and a hockey stick shot on Bully, but Bully kicks out. 3D it's pin EY with the 3D. Team Canada and AMW attack after the match, but Ron Killings makes the save and leg drops EY through a table. So Ron Killings having a little. Ass- 
association with Team 3D for reasons who know. Maybe we'll find out next month. Solar City machine guns. <laughs> Again, that's that, that. The sun is not a moon. You can't just go to other bodies. I know, but it's just, it's just gonna be space themed. Mm. All right. I just I, I got something with an uh sound for Moda. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, AMW then did not have a title match for the pay per view, so they did a tag team tournament throughout the rest of the month to determine <laughs> such a useless tournament to determine number one contenders. Like what? Like like such a thrown together. Like assortment here. It again, it doesn't speak well to the depth in the tag team division. Well, I, I guess at the very least, mm. like they were trying to. It's good. It was good for Aries and Strong. Yeah, the Naturals got to do something. Mm. It's the fakest Team Canada team that's ever existed. <laughs> and like Saban and Sanjay is a complete crapshoot. Yeah, and if because like San, Saban and Sanjay, like it's it, it is pretty clear it was the plan for them because Saban and Sanjay do win uh, the first impact of the month. The first match is Saban and Sanjay beating Diamonds in the Rough. So like they they are trying to get something going with Saban and Sanjay. And I guess if you're like, what's the fastest way we can get them to be tag contenders in a month without seeming like we just made them tag contenders in the month is like a quick tournament to give them like a little bit of credibility. You know, they won a match, they won a tournament, they have a little bit of credibility going in as contenders then rather than just the thrown together team you know imagine if they had a one maybe they should have because they were a good team in that diamonds in the rough match sanjay is a guy who's like made to be, be like a babyface tag team hot tag mm. um, they do come out to sabin's music if you were wondering the priority here saving the star of the team sorry i, I saw her like shelly and i remembered embassy and then i was like is there anything there if, if we were naming a c after them you could have said embassy and then it would have been fucking perfect you could have said embassy of tranquility and that actually would have been really good <laughs> the fuck is that that would have been so good yeah it's a spot in the moon so embassy of tranquility boom oh, done fucking shut up god damn it that's so much good, good. <laughs> uh he's so bad oh no <laughs> They beat Diamonds on the Rough with the Hindu Press Whatever. to David Young. Then we do get Whatever. the tag team tournament, as you mentioned. So the brackets, Team Canada and Saban and Sanjay on one side of the brackets. And then Aries and Strong, Generation X, and the Naturals on the other side of the brackets. So it's it's a four-team tournament. Brackets is generous. As yeah, whatever. Cool. Break it down with bracketology then, Mr. Smart all right, Guy. Who do you think is going all the way in this tournament, Liam? If Saban and Sanjay advance, they will face either one of two teams. I think it's going to be Aries and Strong. I think we're going to win the whole thing. I think we found the perfect combination of Team Canada with A1 and PD Williams. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna really put it all this together. This is their moment. This is their time. This is what they've been working on. By the way, for. I had something else for Roderick Armstrong. <laughs> oh, again. See, if I asked you to name what after Roderick Strong, you would have nailed it. Yeah. You could do moons for everybody else. What's Aries? Fucking just Aries. <laughs> I guess. Is there a moon I think there is Aries? a moon called Aries. <laughs> It's a zodiac sign. Yeah, so it's like an astrology shite. Sure. I mean, that's kind of lame, but yeah. <laughs> PD goes for the destroyer, but Saban does his counter and wins with the Cradle Shock, which continues again that long-running narrative that Chris Saban has the counter for the Canadian Destroyer. And I do appreciate them weaving it into all of these matches. And uh, Again, these are indie nerds. They love this shit. And in case you were wondering, Cradle Shock, more for Plex move of the night. But would it have been the ta- Turbo Tax <laughs> move of the Let night? me see what else was on. No, there was a cool Styles Clash. That would have been the Turbo Tax. That, that, the double underhook into the Styles Clash would have been the Turbo Tax move of the night. Yeah, for sure. Well, so far we only know that Turbo Tax likes knee strikes because the EVP trigger won mm. it. 
So maybe it's a, maybe they prefer a more striking based move of the night. Uh, there was no striking based finish on this show. Oh no, there's a gore. Oh, okay, God. gore would have been a turbo tax. Yeah, I was gonna say, gore is a strike. Yeah, okay. I forgot Rhino Kenny King was on this show, so that would have been a turbo tax move of the night. Get out of here, Styles Clash. Main event of that episode: Austin Aries and Roderick Strong defeated the Naturals to advance to the finals of the tag team title of the tournament. Are you happy to see Aries and Strong at least at least teaming together? Yeah, well, right, that's the best thing about it, is that, like, Aries and Strong are actually doing some stuff together. Um, <laughs> we're starting to see the transformation of Aries to Star. It's very weird. I don't, I don't really get what they're doing. I don't know why, because, well, the idea I, is, I, like, they're not getting attention, so he's like, is this how you want me to dress to get attention in the X Division? But also, it's stupid. But, like, it's stupid, and also, his partner is Blandy McBlanston <laughs> yeah. over here. Yeah, Aries wasn't the problem with that, because Aries could at least talk. <laughs> Roderick Strong doesn't even talk in these shows. The bit should have been that, like, Aries is dressing Roderick mm. up. <laughs> Roderick Star. <laughs> he's the real star. That's the name of the moon mm. as well. Aries does the pendulum elbow in this match and Don says I love when he does the pendulum thing right there I like how he got the hard part of it yeah right. he doesn't remember elbow uh, Aries grabs a roll up on Douglas grabs the ropes wins Aries and Strong advance to face Saban and Dot which is the opener of the go home show in which Saban absolutely fucks up his leg <laughs> so there's a sign at the start of this match that says Austin Aries plus Roderick Strong plus Alex Shelley equals mm-hmm. Genbassy as in Generation Next and Embassy. But Alex Shelley's already part of Generation Next. <laughs> I guess at that point he had left. But still, you don't, you don't need the two stables. He's already in the one stable. There's no other Raven stuff this month. He's just gone. But Larry Zbysko's on commentary for this match. And they start talking about how he missed Raven's rope, foot in the rope in the Sean Waltman match. And Larry Zbysko goes for a really bold strategy and says, I didn't see it, so it was not there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Larry Z has object permanency issues. Yeah, it's like, if I didn't see it, the only explanation is not that I didn't see it, it simply didn't exist. Tape be damned, his foot was not on that rope. Hey, I respect it. I respect someone that up there an asshole. There was also, he was like, he was talking about Sting, because he was like, what's the deal with Sting? And he's like, back in my day, you said at least have to give a notice, period. Mm. You can't just walk out. Uh, the big part of this match, Saban goes to do a corner dropkick, and his ankle gets caught under him, and it looks very nasty. They eventually pin Aries with the cradle shock, but Saban clearly fucked up his leg, which becomes a story for the pay-per-view match. So that does bring us to the pay-per-view, in which the opener is the Naturals and facing Austin Aries and Roger Strong in a rematch of the tournament match. The idea being because Aries and Strong cheated, the Naturals are getting their rematch. Um, it is fine. Chase Stevens does a shooting star to the floor. Austin Aries is in full, like, Austin Star attire at this point. Aries gets a roll-up, grabs the ropes, but this time the referee sees it, and then the Naturals hit the Natural Disaster on Aries for the win. Uh, we were talking about this on the watch long. Someone needs to steal the Natural Disaster. I nominated the newly healed young bucks mm-hmm. as like a just kill them thing because like a because i kind of hate the evp trigger i think it sucks yeah. and never looks good or like damaging and it's like this is kind of a perfect move for a heel bucks i mm. feel they're small though so they might have some trouble getting bigger guys up for it they rest a lot of small guys in that division though if they, if, if they get big bill up for it i would be impressed that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, there was some controversy about this match and this show in general. So with a major storm on the horizon, TNA officials alerted all talent working indies the day before to cancel their dates and fly out when they could. <laughs> Larry Zabisco had to pull out of a date in Boston. The entire Dave Hebner show in Virginia was cancelled since much of his crew were booked on the TNA pay-per-view. Terry Taylor told Gabe Sapolsky that the TNA wrestlers were being pulled from his show in Lake Grove, New York. Five were scheduled as Alex Shelley, Jay 
Lethal and Homicide left for Orlando. Austin Aries and Roderick Strong, the Ring of Honor tag champs, although they were not scheduled for a defense, did not. They did manage to get a flight out of New York <laughs> right uh, before the airport closed and made it to the show. However, management was nothing less than furious at them for taking the risk. A backup plan was booked for the Diamonds in the Rough to take the match against the Naturals instead. While time will tell what happens and time eventually heals all wounds, not in this case, although in this case they're deep and it may be <laughs> quiet, uh, it might be quite some time, the Aries and Strong mini push looks to be over. And yeah, this is, I'm not sure do they do stuff next month, but we are nearly done with Aries and Strong in TNA until Aries comes back at the end of the year but Strong never does is this Strong's last match I I wonder if this I wonder if they were going to win this this match you would yeah. have thought so it would have been uh, well you can also say the Naturals getting their win back because the match was rebooked because of cheating was the was the like actual story yeah. But who knows where it's like, where are they going to push this other team further? No, we still have a little more Roddy. So we, we have another month of these guys until they're actually gone, gone. Um, so we don't have, you don't have to do any eulogies yet. Soon uh, we didn't watch it, which maybe we should have. But one of the explosion matches this month was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Roderick Strong. <laughs> Is that a, was that a match that they ever run that back? Uh, I assume they did at some point in like Ring of Honor, surely. That seems like an like an ROH. Yeah, thing. but yeah, it's a good elatement match. Tanahashi comes out to high energy, so it's a, it's a much better than the baby match by default, and it's a good little match. It's on actually, is it on TNA Plus? It was on Impact Plus, but I'm not sure if we moved the hidden gems yet. But you can find that match in places. Tanahashi and Strong, good match. Uh, they did run it back in 2015 mm-hmm. at War of the Worlds Night Two. I assume Strong went uh, over. No. No. <laughs> Uh, it has a almost a nine out of ten on Cage mm. Match, which uh, is was this the first shows that they ever did? Twenty fifteen, I think, was wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Ha- ha- have I told the story before about um, when I found out about these shows? Happening? I think you might have on Rain Takers, but maybe not on this show. Um, so basically, I was working my like first job as a, a trolley collector, and I was doing it, and I got like a, a message on my phone. I, I, was, I was just I was looking on Twitter on something, and it showed me that like they announced RH and New Japan War of the Worlds, and I think they maybe even announced Steen Nakamura at that point. And and uh, let me tell you, the rest of my shift, all I was doing was fantasy booking ROH New <laughs> Japan because <laughs> that was like at the point where like I was fully entrenched in ROH. I found it like maybe the year before, and um, I was like, as we know, I was like, I was a couple years into my New Japan watching at the same time, and I was like, this was my two favorite promotions like coming together, and I was fantasy booking everything. Mm. It was a very fun time. That was when ROH still had a roster worth of people that could have dream matches. Yes, before you know, ooh, everything. <laughs> this the the entire world was turned upside down by pandemic and many other things. Maybe this this wasn't the first year. I don't think. I think twenty fourteen was. But yeah, because the first year was uh nakamura and steam mm. yeah global wars so it would have been that show yeah yeah 2014 i think was the first year which had some weird match what else was on that show where the hell is steam and nakamura this match happened i think it was war of the worlds yes found it all right 12 minutes that's tidy it was a good match it was a good match <laughs> that was the show that convinced nakamura to leave oh no it's like i'm over in america money he's like oh wait i, I get re- i get reactions in america and then money please how long is he oh my there's gonna be a point where Nakamura's gonna have been in WWE longer than than New Japan I'm gonna fucking die. I'm thinking about that same thing for AJ he's like he's still a little ways away but it's 8 years in WWE now versus 12 in TNA 11 and a half and it's like oh no it's closing in yeah god mm. 
What are we doing? Finals of the NWA World Title Tag Team Tournament. Actually, no, well, technically not the finals. The title shot they got from winning. Uh, Saban and Dot faced America's Most Wanted. So they replayed before the match, Saban doing the baseball slide and then the his foot getting caught under him. So that formed like the basis of the story of the match where Saban's leg is injured. AMW are working over it. They pull down his kick pad. They relentlessly go after it. They crush it under the guardrail a couple times. Uh, Saban eventually gets the hot tag to Dot. Saban cuts off a death sentence with a one-legged drop kick. Dutt's hot tag was really good by the way as well I think that like Dutt's a really good tag team wrestler for a guy who I don't think ever really was in a tag team and probably should have been at some point because yeah like he clearly has some sort of like some Morton-esque get the shit kicked out of me he has both sides of what you want because he has the, the he is a sympathetic baby face you can you can get the heat on and he's also the, like this really impressive high flying guy who you can also like get a hot tag to and he looks really good so he, he kind of works both sides of a baby face tag team you would have thought but he was never really in one I was going to say, like, who would you even think that would be, like, his partner? Well, like, there's Saban here. He teams with Jay Lethal a little bit in, like, 2007. Yeah, I do remember the Lethal team. That's probably the one I associate most with him. Like, they, they could have done more. Like, Lethal ends up, like, winning tag titles with Consequences Creed rather than Sanjay. And maybe Lethal and Sanjay might have been the better team, even though Consequences Creed did form the best, like, shoving two names together tag team name of all time. Yeah, you, you get Jay Lethal, Consequences Creed, lethal consequences it's like oh that's actually so good <laughs> you could name a moon after it it's pre- it's amazing amw introduced the chair but saban ddt's harris onto the chair followed by a, a sanjay standing shooting star for two dot misses the hindu press but walks into a super kick and falls with a death sentence for the amw win to retain the title they spend ages handcuffing dot to the ropes but then saban comes back in with the chair to make the save uh nice little match good little match uh if saban's leg wasn't injured they probably would have had a more traditional tag match which probably would have ultimately been a better tag match but it was fun for what they were going for they're not so dut dying briefly the Sanjay Dutt suffered a concussion after Chris Harris landed on his head during the Ray Ruby match. Chris Saban also aggravated his sprained ankle during the match, so maybe shouldn't have worked on the bad leg. Everyone got hurt. Yeah, there's a ton of injury stories. Like Abyss got knocked out, Daniels got hurt, I think Joe even got hurt at some point as well. So there's, there's a lot of people knocked uh, knocked up after the knocked up. <laughs> knocked, what, what's the expression oh. I'm looking for? Oh. Knocked out? Not knocked out. Banged up. Banged knocked up loopy. is the word I'm looking for. Banged that's up. all. It's just like knocked up. It's... I was really emphasizing knocked. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of guys banged up after the show, not knocked up. A lot of guys knocked up after the show. <laughs> a lot going on backstage, huh? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of blackmail footage for. Yeah, that's what he got in the tape. <laughs> Jack Gator knocking up the boys. <laughs> that brings us to how we end the show every week three well every time we do Mm. the show three live crew family drama beware this mother is a bad girl beware the james gang on the first impact of the month defeat buck quartermain and kenny king i you know what's funny Mm. i saw kenny king on these shows and i'm like you know what he is kind of just ready to be a guy on these shows yeah he's athletic he has a little bit of presence to him got a little look about him yeah He's, 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 he, like, you see Buck, you see Lex, you see David Young, and you're like, you're job guys for life. You do see Kenny King, and you're like, more there. There's more there. Yeah. It, 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 he has a better look about him. He's younger. Like, there's something, like, you look at Kenny King, you're like, hmm, okay. I'm surprised they didn't, like, try and pick him up. Because mm, he's only around just doing jobs, not for very long. But he's been here for a while now. He's, he was, because he did some stuff earlier on, too. 
Jackhammer and one and only by Kip for on King for the win. Conan appears on the screen with Homicide and challenges the James Gang to a pay-per-view match at against Tall Odds. Uh, no, Apollo. Apollo's status is in question. Apollo and Homicide are wrestling the James Gang on the pay-per-view, but from there, it's undecided. Apollo doesn't even get there. The feeling is that they have to make a statement about guys missing pay-per-view shows. Obviously, the feeling is that it's more than just a transportation problem out of his control because nobody would be mad at him over that. Oh, well, they were pretty mad at Ares and Strong. Well, they made a choice, but also... Yes. I know, I'm just I'm just trying to defend <laughs> uh, But in Apollo's case, they do seem to think that he, he happens to magically have transportation issues every time he's on pay-per-view, in which he might be losing. Apollo, the big star. Yeah, it is. We talked about this with Shocker, but it is one of those things where like he's a star in Puerto Rico, but then comes to America and is a job guy. So it must be feel really weird to like have that relationship where you're like, I'm a star in my home country, but then I'm trying to make it somewhere else. And I'm just doing jobs on undercards and six minute matches. But also I'm shit in those matches, so I can't really complain. <laughs> it's a weird one. But I guess, you know, ego is ego. You're a star, you're a star. Mm. Does mean have we, did we do the Apollo? Uh, oh, we did. We I think we did run down the Apollo stuff last time, didn't we? I, I did, and it was horrible. So I'm not doing it again. Uh, yeah, then you ended up on his Wikipedia page, and it was unfortunate. Is there any so, other yeah. stuff that builds this pay per view match? Um, isn't there like uh, oh, LAX have a squash no. on the February? 4th yeah, there's a squash. I was gonna say so Conan Homicide and Apollo. But Apollo. Which, this is I think Apollo's actual last match. Defeat Frankie Capone, Rod Steele, and Bruce Steele. Of course. Apollo is now dressed in like edgy shorts, but he has the same bright red boots. <laughs> I kind of love it when people are like, I'm a bad guy now, I'm going to wear shorts, but I will still wear my wrestling boots. Yeah. It, uh, the boots don't even match the shorts it would be one thing if the shorts were red so they would at least match but the shorts were a different colour uh, that makes it better uh, Frankie Capone is Francisco uh, Chiazzo who passed away recently as well uh, worked a bunch of GCW as well so um, popping up here mm. is one of those things it's like oh, oh. Uh, the, I, I like the way I phrase this as if Conan did the move but the Doomsday Bulldog gives Conan the win it's Homicide and Apollo who did the Doomsday Bulldog as opposed to the uh, Conan having any involvement in that it's important to note here that um, Conan isn't even trying to wear any semblance of gear. Conan can't move at this he point. He's just like in clothes. Like that, that man cannot move at this point. He should not be wrestling. <laughs> yeah, which is why, you know, he transitions into just kind of doing promo Yeah, stuff. so LAX jumped the guys after the match, but the James Gang makes the save. That brings us to the pay-per-view match in which Apollo's not around anymore. We have Machete now. <laughs> Yay. The Latin American exchange. It's not that Machete, so don't get too excited, guys. <laughs> It's, uh, what's his name? It's down here somewhere. Um, Ricky Vega, who was backstage at the tapings and has asked to fill in in the spot. So it's a homicide machete facing uh, the James gang in a nothing pay-per-view match where BG pins machete with a bump handle slam. At least homicide didn't get pinned. Yeah. Conan is really hurting as both, uh, as he needs both shoulder surgery and hip replacement surgery. He needs the hip replacement for a couple of years, but has been putting it off. But it's gotten really bad as he has trouble walking. Just get your hip replaced, dude. Mm. Uh, likely through with the company is Apollo. Apollo worked the uh, February 11th show for IWA in Puerto Rico. He went out after the show with Slash of uh, Disciples of the New Church fame, I believe. Uh, to, uh, maybe it's someone different. Chris Kindred? Flash, uh, the, uh, Flash Fanagan. Okay, different Slash. To Slash's apartment, which is five minutes from the San Juan International Airport. The plan was for Apollo to sleep over and then that he, they'd get up at 6.30 and go to the airport with plenty of time. When Chris Kindred woke up, Apollo was nowhere to be seen. He waited for a while, figuring Apollo like went for a walk, but Apollo never came back. Uh, Kindred assumed he had already taken a cab. He never showed up to the plane. Like last month, he called ahead and said his flight was cancelled. However, unlike last month when he claimed similar problems this time TNA checked and his flight was not cancelled 
He even told people in Puerto Rico that there was a bomb scare at the airport, but there was no such thing as that was also easy to check. Uh, there was one report that he missed his flight, but when he went to the airport to fly standby, but couldn't get a flight. Uh, so he missed his flight. There was one report that he missed his flight, went to the airport to fly standby, but then couldn't get on a later flight. Apollo is known for not liking to do jobs, as that has been an issue in Puerto Rico, but he's worked in TNA in a bottom role doing jobs regularly. The plan was for him to do the job in the match and then afterwards have Homicide and Conan turn on him, although he likely wasn't aware of that So <laughs> before he trying to get not get on the plane. It wouldn't figure, take a brain surge and figure out that he was likely doing the job, particularly coming off the no-show, uh, and then Ricky Vega filled in. So that is the end of Apollo and TNA, and we will have a much better version of LAX because of it. So thumbs up, Apollo. Thank you. I like how they knew that this Apollo thing wasn't going to last forever, even in LAX. He would want, like, obviously, because he no-showed was, I, I think, set in motion plans to take him out, so that they would actually have, like, at least story continuity for why he's suddenly not there. If he was showing up every week and being a quote-unquote team player, you do wonder, would they have just stuck with the Homicide Apollo team, and would LAX have been, like, a much worse act because of it? That wouldn't have lasted yeah. as much, as long, by any means. LAX kind of went down as one of the better parts of TNA history. People remember it very fondly, but there's a world in which Apollo doesn't no-show a bunch of shows, and suddenly that team was a lot worse and doesn't probably exist for like uh, like nowhere near as long right and then we don't get lax 2.0 and then like what does homicide and tna look like if, if lax kind of falls apart does homicide do something else does he just kind of crash out of tna it's, it's interesting to think about that alternate reality yeah. that apollo set in motion here thank you apollo for not showing up <laughs> on many levels <laughs> yeah that is against all odds 2006 the pay-per-view is pretty good They're like there's some good matches in the pay-per-view uh the month of tv was pretty boring yeah, it's like it's it was boring but not like bad which has kind of been where i've been at for most of these tvs yeah it's like perfectly functional it gets where it needs to go but you don't sit and watch 40 minutes and you're like pumped you're not like oh what a great episode of television you're like no. that is like mechanically good at getting where you need to go without being particularly exciting yeah, I'm doing hoping that we reach a point where that will be the case. <laughs> we are getting more shtick and antics because the Planet Jarrett stuff and the paparazzi production That's stuff is That's what I need. Up. We just need it. I need it to be a show that I can laugh at, you mm. know? I don't expect TNA to be delivering me, like, an AEW, like, high-quality dynamite, you know? And then you'll get to the Russo shows where they become, like, categorically insane. <laughs> so you can look forward to that. Which too. is what we want. <laughs> we can make content out of that. The watch along for Against All Odds 2006 is in your Patreon feed right now at patreon.com slash kiddingme or tnhat.com. We'll be coming up with new episodes of Lucha Underground and Rain Takers in the next few weeks as we build toward the Destination X 2006 episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me as well coming up. Follow us on Twitter at TNA Series Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. Follow Liam on Twitter at The Gleet Muda. Subscribe to us on YouTube at You've Got to Be Kidding Me and follow us on TikTok at TNA History. Thanks for listening and bye-bye. Do damn thing, bye. Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. 
This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.